for Friday, August 7th, 2009. This is episode 82 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. We hold on to the wonder of that world through many pens And we'll never let go of all the ones we've made our friends And they'll say it's only a podcast But we know it's much more than that a community all of its own where we even have our own sorting hat where the hosts are all our friends and the stall is told by Jen we'll always laugh before the end part of it we please where the story never ends. It's so hard to write this shit. Sending <laughs> like an envoy. I don't even know. Who's breathing? Do we have Darth Vader here? Whoever <laughs> is breathing, please stop. Is it me? I shouldn't be breathing. And I felt like a druggie chugging medicine from the bottle. Oh my god, what the hell? Oh my god, this is so stupid. Let's start the episode, okay? Well, well, I haven't done this in like a year and a half, guys. <laughs> well, uh, now let's try it. Welcome back to Potter Week Weekly. I'm Jen. I'm P.S. I'm Cody. I'm Julia. And I'm Ray. Yay! Yay! We did it! It's an all-girls podcast. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we haven't had one of those in a while, I don't think. Oh, yeah. Because really? Ray and I had one last night. Mm-hmm. You did? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was great she fun. She and, um, and Matt and Magic Cat and I had an impromptu puffle exchange last night. On the subject what of what? We much did ado about much nothing. Ado about nothing. <gasps> nice. No, that is my favorite movie ever. Really? I'm so jealous. I love it. Oh, yeah. Emma Thompson is the bomb, man. Puffwa editors, I want you all to know this is my first Puffwa on the new mic. Hooray! 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 Oh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's fantastic. I think I'm Have you cry. sent it for destruction yet? I put it in the mail on Tuesday. <laughs> Great. Yep. So Ryan has promised to take a video of himself running <laughs> over my old mic with his car. Don't <laughs> no. be, be there cheering on the sidelines. Yeah. You can take the video. <laughs> Quite frankly, I don't blame him. That mic was hell on wheels. That thing ruined my virgin edit. Wasn't oh, that the one that sorry. sounded like you were in a dryer? No, that was the one that was like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like every two seconds. But thank God, it's gone now. And the lovely and wonderful Kismat bought me this shiny new one that I'm using that is much more comfortable on my ears and um, it doesn't take everything. Does it have the padding? I love the padding. It does have the padding. I feel, it's like, very I feel, nice. like, I feel like a real radio person and not just some nerd at their computer. Yeah. I'm not it's there also, yet. Also, the ear thing is a little bit smaller, so it doesn't like overtake your ears. 
so you don't feel really yeah. uncomfortable after wearing them like for you're a four hours. Or something. Yeah. Did all of y'all start reading this? Is this your first time reading it, or did you know about this story before we decided to do it for the podcast? It was actually weird because I had a friend over my house, and we were both into Harry Potter, and we literally just sat next to one another and read this fic straight through for about seven hours because <laughs> there were about I'm not even yeah. kidding. We were just like reading it straight, and we were like periodically, if we were on the same place, just stopping and like having to talk or having to spaz out or. Something something and then I've just sort of been following it ever since and there have been periods when I've been really scared that it wouldn't be updated again because I know that Kaylee's been having different things going on in her life but it's been updated a lot more recently and I've just sort of been hanging on to every chapter that's coming out which is exciting and terrifying at the same time it's pretty simple and I just really loved the ideas behind it and just the general arc of the story I think that a lot of the writing is well done even though there's some grammar type mistakes I mean I'm amazed it's written as well as it is actually because this English isn't her first language right this is so not an English yeah. first language yeah. I mean I, I'm amazed that it's like written as well as it is for English not being her first language and I'm willing to let I mean I still think that there are passages that are written just beautifully mm-hmm. I mean even there if there are small grammar mistakes so I'm going well, we to we did get discuss a- last episode an English speaking yeah. beta would she be really good. She was trying to get one, I think, at some later point in the fic. She was trying I think to it'd get make this story go from, you know, to a 10. It would just be exactly. great. It was last summer, too, that I read it the first time. And I didn't realize it was a work in progress at the time. So it drove me <laughs> crazy. Now that I see that there's only a couple chapters left to go, I'm much happier. It's still bugging me. But yeah, I, I think it was wrecked on Puffa or something. Yeah, well, probably, the thing is, I was. Jen or something. Well, yeah, I was I was pretty much recommending it to like everyone in the Slytherin community and pretty much everyone everywhere else. So I think yeah. you nominated it a long time ago, Cody. I think it was only. Oh, yeah. I started nominating it like for the first thing. Yeah, one of the. Yeah. I, feel, I kept nominating it like again and again whenever I pretty much could. So. Well, I know that when I first got on Puffa, I had two ships that I loved. It was Hermione Snape and it was the. Snape is guardian or father of Harry. Those That's exactly me, Jen. That's what I read. It even. was. And, it, and when I came to Pufwa, I was like, we need to expand the boundaries here. And so from <laughs> the beginning, I have been like, let me introduce y'all to, you're like none other. Let's kind of step into this just a bit. You know, the master fake yeah. uh, red list. I'm the one who pretty much did that. And this was the one of the ones. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, there was a few that members kind of added to you, but the majority of them are fakes that I just said, well, here, here's the rec list. Here we go. Because everybody kept asking. And this is one that was on it from day one. This is one of those fakes that I read forever ago, forever ago. And it stuck with me. And I'm, I know that there wasn't remote. I don't think there was more than 30 or 40 chapters when I first. Yeah. There wasn't oh, wow. many at all. And, and I remember just kind of giving it up. And then every year or two, I'd kind of look back at it and there'd be like 20 more chapters. And then I'd start over and, and go again yeah. <laughs> and then stop. <laughs> and so you're, and so I'm really glad to be able to do this, even though it is a, a, a WIP still. I'm glad that the member fake decision happened so I could just be like, okay, fine. We're going to yeah. do a Snape Hermione fake because I think it's important that we do it just because it's out of the realm of canon. It's so far away from what canon is. And yet there is definitely something about it that a lot of people really enjoy. And yeah. I think kind of figuring what that is is going to be an interesting conversation, you know, um, because it's, it, it is a lot of people love the ship, you know, and it works out in a lot of fix and it doesn't work out in some fix, but you know yeah. what I mean? And, and I think so- that with this one, it's actually a good one to do for people who aren't as used to the ship because it's really not as sexual. Porn. Well, it's weird because it, <laughs> really? 
Yes. When that happens, it's arresting and it makes you feel uncomfortable, but it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. And yeah. there, there aren't things that make you feel uncomfortable that are supposed to be sort of gratifying. You know what I mean? There really yeah, well, this one is sort you know of I mean? dark angsty. And exactly. a lot of the Hermione Snape ships are just dark and like And morbid. I think that a lot of times you sort of <gasps> have... Are you okay, Jen? <laughs> yeah. You're like gasping. <laughs> no. <laughs> she was laughing. <laughs> I was laughing. <laughs> Which are like dark and angsty. Okay. Yeah. But I, I, it's hard to explain because it seems like it is so explicit, but it's in the same way that it isn't, I don't know. It's not sexy, but it's very sexual. You know, like the sex is Mm -hmm. for effect. It's not for, but it's, yeah. And And it's it's not, not, the relationship is not based on this physical intimacy. Exactly. It's not based on any, it's very much a emotional and personality and situation based relationship. And I think that there is a role that sex plays in this story, but it is a very uncomfortable role. And it is a role that you wish it did not have to play, almost, because whenever it comes up, it's pretty much in a context of, even if it's voluntary, an essentially abusive context. Yes. So, and that's a very important thing in the shaping of Hermione's character. And I think that's the reason that you don't see a lot of gratuitous sex scenes, because the character can't do that at the point where she is. Cody, I told you the other day that when she gets around to this, I really want to see her write the first time that Snape and Hermione actually have sex. Like, I so yeah. want to see how she handles it. I feel like, I'm not sure if she would do it. I mean, I think that what she I know, would do I don't is know if she more of an epilogue. It would have to be a long time after all the Death Eater thing stuff was resolved. Because I think that she would need a lot of time to sort of distance no. herself from the well, idea. Uh, not to be spoiler-tastic, but I feel like where she is at the end of the chapters that exist, she probably would could be able to do it, like, in a few months. And but that's, like, grow. that's for way that's later. Yeah, I mean, but it's not, like, right now, it's sort of just, A, they have a lot bigger things to really sort of concentrate on, and B, it's just, it's that character, I think, to some extent. And it's Well, and she's, and been, you, she's been abused, whether exactly. it was voluntarily or not, exactly. and she has that abused mentality still. But I yeah. will say, when it, in reading this story, especially from the first 20 chapters, I think that there is some explicit sex scenes in two chapters. And I yeah. think, unfortunately, they make you think, Oh, different way about this story. Like, I keep thinking, how would this story be if she had not put as much explicit detail of sex in those first couple of chapters? And I think that a lot of people would be a bit more open about... I know when Ryan read those chapters, he was like, whoa... Yeah, I think and, uh, it's sort of like, like too. It's like, what the hell did I, mean? I just get myself into? It, it, it clouds a lot of the other things, but at the same it time, does. you almost need it to sharpen them. Well, and, and you need I to mean, slap it, in the it, face it, with it so you can exactly. see Exactly, and it needs you to define the character. I mean, I'm, I have some quotes that I wrote down, and I, I think this may be one of the earlier chapters that just have these general quotes, but she says, I still sell my body for information. I still pretend to enjoy what I do. I agree to their games. Whether I delight in it or not doesn't change the facts. I am the perverted monster you believe me to be, so stop making a fuss over this. And it's it's important in shaping her character because there is that, especially in the earlier parts, strong tint of Hermione that she feels ashamed or dirty or perverted because of what she's doing, even though she knows there's a reason behind it. And I think that that entire aspect, even though it's really dark, has to be there to some extent, even though there may not need to be the explicit nature that there is. I think it almost needs to be there to shape the character that we know. 
because you, I don't think you'd be able to understand Hermione in this story without it. I would have liked for her to do that more because I think the thing that was so jarring to me was that these are not the characters I know. And I accept that. Like, I accept that it's possible in effect to bring the characters just to a place that's different to where they are in canon. But I need to be shown that because if I'm not shown that, it just doesn't click for me. Well, I, I think, think what that's it is, my problem with this story. It's just really? sort of a tactic that you get. You see them where they've gone and you, you try to figure out how they got there. And that's definitely with Hermione. But I mean, I think that it's interesting, especially since I can talk about this in this chapter, is, is that I sort of see Remus and Ron and Harry as the reader. And I see them sort of finding this out midway through. And they're still very much the characters we know them to be. So well, they're I didn't really think part- that either. You know, I have, I have big issues with Harry and Ron in this because I find them to be far more stupid and immature than they were in canon. And I think... I definitely don't. Part of that is... She, I, I mean... I feel like she's doing that to build Hermione up to show that Hermione is smarter than these idiots. So it really bo- that really bothered me too. Especially, well, I, I I'm going to disagree with that because I think that once, especially once Harry found out what was going on, he is not he isn't portrayed as an idiot. I definitely well, don't think I, that's no, true. Well, I agree. I kind of agree with what she's saying. I, they, sh- I do agree that the author dumbs them up a bit to make. I agree that that's Hermione true. intelligent. Harry, Harry too. I have to admit, even when Harry shows the sudden uber maturity. The even that's kind of out of character of Harry. However, for an AU fic, I find it acceptable. I think that what you see with Harry is it sort of went from kind of an escapist mentality, like I'm not going to think about this, and you kind of go back to something that's almost um, a post-book five mentality of where he's taking responsibility because he understands that people's lives are on the line. And I, Book six came out in the middle of the fic. So this was a post-book five fic. And if she had planned for the story as she began to write it, then that would be something that you could play on. It's this idea of Harry being able to be influenced by guilt and the idea that his actions may be hurting someone else. Harry coming out of book five is is going to fight, but the Harry in the beginning of this, now I do know that later he does start doing, but it's only after Hermione and Snape and Draco get him to do it that he does it. Whereas at the beginning of this, he's just fooling around and being a kid. No. Which it's I a really Hermione thing too, though. I agree with you. I, I agree, P.S. You're not wrong. Right, no, you're, you're not wrong. But I, let's like, focus I with... that this is a Hermione hero story and therefore it can't be exact canon because Hermione's not the hero of canon. Well, I disagree. I think you can write a story with starring any character, starring any ship, but you still have the obligation to, to, make, to make it a Harry Potter fic. I mean, to me, these people are not the characters I knew. And I mean, I can accept that it's an interesting story about this woman who's a spy, but to me, she's not Hermione. I think that she she is. I mean, she definitely has some Hermione character yeah. traits that I like and that have carried over, but I agree with you about Harry and Ron being really dumbed down, because I think that post-Book 5 Harry is so guilty and he just wants to fight and take action, just like to make up for his mistake. But this Harry in the beginning, I mean, he comes around later, but in the beginning, he just doesn't want to think about it. He's just escaping and doing dumb stuff while he still can. Just to know, there is a year that sort of was had to, because this takes place in seventh year and it was written post fifth year. So there is an AU sixth year that we can't really take into account because there could have been things that happened during her version of sixth year that she had to make up because she didn't have sixth year yet, just to kind of put that into consideration. Right. Well, that's the sort of thing she should have told us in some way, either through flashbacks or pensive scenes or whatever. I love this fic. This was my first time reading it and I, the other day, I described this as like the after the end of Snape Hermione fic and I happen to really like it but I do think that there are definitely some flaws in it and I think mm-hmm. that um, you've just pointed out a rather well, big one. I don't to me I don't see fakes like after the end as 
You know, a lot of people say it's the Bible of Harry Jenny, blah, 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 blah. I think certain fics like that are in their own league. And fortunately, I think that this is such a smaller genre for writers. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of people write in this. And and so I don't know if I would necessarily say that it's the after the end, but it's definitely unique. I, I agree with you. There are certain parallels between like the way that Harry and Ginny's relationship in After the End and Snape and Hermione's relationship in this develops. And I just saw them. But then again, After the End for me is like the standard by which all other fanfics are judged. And I have to bring it up at least once in every podcast. No, so, I agree with that. I know, do. I had a point maybe somewhere and it got lost. <laughs> Yeah, I'll concede that Harry and Ron were kind of by necessity undercharacterized and maybe malcharacterized in the early parts of this fic. But I just sort of accepted it because it was so much about Hermione in the early chapters. I think later you do get a lot more of, especially Harry. I honestly can't remember if this goes beyond where we stop for tonight, but I do like that we get a lot of Harry. You know, I'll say even though he's out of character, I do like the Draco in this fic. I don't like that he's out of character, but I like this person that's in the story. Well, I don't know that he's necessarily out of character because we saw a little bit the transformation of how he got from point canon to point here. I I can buy that, like... He just went in a different direction. I'm just, yeah, it's like, quote unquote, the wrong direction for what the character Draco took, but you're right, this is an old story, so I can't really fall. I think the end of book five, start of book six time, is if there was ever a time when when Draco would have been able to turn, it was then, because I think it was vulnerable time for him. I know this isn't taking the events of book six into canon, but, you know, his father has been captured, and that's when I could most accept it, that it would be something that he would be able to switch sides, so, as opposed to earlier or later. Because earlier he would still be what her he calls his bastard self. Yes. <laughs> and I think that, that that was the only time where he was really open to the possibility, where he was like at his lowest. Should we get into the chapters for tonight? Chapter 21, The Coin. The Coin was pretty cool, and I thought yeah. it was nice showing that Hermione remembered from year three, or whatever they used for the... Year five. Oh, no, it was yeah. five. Sorry. The year yeah, five. I, thought, I always think it's really cool when they use the... Is it backwards with purpose, where they use the, the coin when Ginny's writing in the diary? I think there's definitely a redo fic, and I'm pretty sure it's that one where they, they use a coin to tell them when Ginny's writing in the diary so they know to be on guard. And I think I love it that so many fic writers have glommed on to this coin thing after order. Mm-hmm. What was well, a because it's such a cool unique thing. idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool thing. If I were a fic writer, <laughs> I would glom onto it too. It's cool. And I enjoy how they explain that the Death Eaters don't notice it because she's got another one on her other shoelace. I love she's that. Like, stupid men. <laughs> they don't get it. Thing. I, I love what she does play in the fact that she's a girl. I love that. Just a girl thing. She's such a fashion plate, Hermione. Yeah. That's her. Well, it doesn't get out very much, so I think it's acceptable. I'm not what anyone would call girly, but, you know, I think that comes out everyone sometimes. I think I'll tie coins to my shoes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, find some way to, like, artfully tie my laces. Start a trend. I guess she'll just jingle. Does she just jingle as she walks? (laughs) (laughs) No, she's only got one coin per shoe. There's nothing to jingle. Ah, Hi, Lee. I had to put a bottle in his mouth. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I was distracted by the... I know. I was trying not to let him be a distraction. Apparently, Lee does not approve of Hermione's fashion decision. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe he's just confused. Maybe he can't figure out how the coin stays in there. Right. I mean, I I was having that trouble. I I bet it's one of those coins with a hole in it. Does it ever say... Oh, no, well, that's, doesn't, that that's would make how sense. I imagined it, though. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I wouldn't imagine her, like, tying it around, because that wouldn't really work. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it would just slip out. It would totally just slip out. Maybe she's got, like, a little imprint in the shoe itself, like, where the coin goes. I don't know. <laughs> like those penny loafers? Like a five-hand yeah. yeah. set of shoes? 
the, those Rue shoes. They used to have the little pockets. Maybe she's wearing like penny loafers, and you know, you stuck a penny in. Oh yeah. Uh, that's what, that must be what it is. Well, she <laughs> says that it's tied to her string, I thought. Yeah, right? it definitely says Yeah, laces. I think it said the, the laces. Maybe it's just magic. Brilliant! Yeah, just <laughs> magic. No. That's a good explanation. <laughs> that can't be. Is that a Harry Potter fic? No way. It's too easy. It's way too easy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's not how we I want to. I want to move on here. I want to say, okay, you know when Hermione tells Snape to make the silver bowl and she puts her wand to her head and like puts the silver stuff? Okay, is that not a conceive that she just that's conjured? What I would think. Pretty much, yeah. Kind of what Snape did at the end of Deathly Hallows, I think, to sort of pull right. them out and put something. I was just thinking that it's not It's oh, not a pensive. Okay. It's like a little vial where you put your it's jar and then later you put it into oh, okay. a pensive. Well, okay. he said, is this big enough? I wonder like how many cups or ounces is actually <laughs> the conversion enough. rate of memories. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like the bigger, the, the longer the memory, the bigger the How many memories to an ounce? You have like a cookbook of size. <laughs> like how much, she's like, got to sit there and calculate. Your head to the head hole. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> like you know your mean? brain gives you a little message that it's like, it's overflowing with memory. Please empty sometimes. <laughs> it's like my hard drive. I untake stuff off it every <laughs> She's like bleeding to death trying to calculate how big to make the bowl. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. So Snape Join. is very romantic in this. You know, and she was saying, you know, they're not at all like their characters. And no, they're not, but I think that's why we like them because Snake's yeah. a jerk in canon and he's like Willoughby in this. I love it. You know, and like, <laughs> <laughs> and I like that they explain that because she's having to sell her body and blah, 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 that she doesn't like to be touched. I thought that was really. Yeah. I, I like the end of it. It goes into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going like to sort of just read a little bit about that because I just did such a good quote and I think it's really done well. Let me see. It says. It's just so long since another human being touched me without wanting something else, she tried to explain, insecurity written clearly in her face. I'm not used to it. I'm all tight and screwed up and on constant alarm modus inside. Half of the time, this body doesn't feel like it belongs to me anymore. And then she took a deep, shuddering breath and squeezed its hand once tightly before letting go. It's a moment every touch is poison to me. So I love all the times when they, they take the time to parallel the experiences that Snape and Hermione have had. I mean, at this point, when I say a relationship, I just mean like a partnership they have at this point. And just whatever relationship they have at this point, it's just made off that shared experience and shared understanding that no one else can really have. And I think that it's good when they highlight that, when Kaylee highlights that. I agree. And I think it makes it especially poignant when um, later on, when Hermione finally does allow Snape to touch her, even mm-hmm. in like the most innocent way. It becomes exactly. like a huge deal. Yeah, exactly. Like a massive declaration of trust. When it becomes too much, then I th- she, ex- you know, kind of explodes, and it she can't take too much. And I think that it's good that we don't just have. I think that it makes this character good that you don't just have her in one sense totally not being able to touch the one and then later she's fine with it and I think that keeping that thread constant it was very well done. I also this is sort of related. I also really, really like that after every Death Eater meeting she has to take a shower. Yes, oh my I gosh. Love that. I, love I love that. that. She loved that. It's just like she just feels need, so dirty and that the shower just helps. And she needs to change clothes and I think it's you know like just like getting out of that mindset almost. Like yeah. changing clothes, taking a shower, just getting herself out of that. Yeah. Well, what I like I about this story. imagine what it would be like you know to have to 
to have this persona that you have to take on. And I feel like her showering and changing her clothes is literally her washing away the Death Eater that she is. I believe that every fan fiction written has a, a basis of truth or moral purpose. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I really feel like the base of the story is it's a healing story. And if you think about it, everything that Hermione goes through, it's kind of like a person who goes to war and comes mm-hmm. back and they can't deal with the things that they've seen and done. Exactly. But it's war and it's acceptable. You know yeah. what I mean? There are things you have to do and you don't want to do it, but you have to do it. And we'll use the example of rape. I mean, this is one of those really dark issues. And I think what's appealing is the authors who actually address the healing part of exactly. it. Exactly. Because I think there's a lot of readers out there who have gone through similar circumstances who can really heal with characters. They learn the support around them. There's the family. She has her person. It's important to have someone to talk to, someone to connect with. You can't just go off on your own and be alone. And, you know, it really goes through all the steps in a way. I, I mean, and it's yeah. just a fan fiction, but I think in, in a case like this, it means so much more. And then I think there's also another level to it, because I've read fics where Hermione was attacked in some way, or victimized in some way, and it's just healing. But here, it's balancing that with the fact that she's choosing to do this and having to reconcile that with herself. And I think that that fact makes it really interesting, because you have the idea of choice, and you have the idea of anyone else had kind of forced her into this situation. I think that it would not be what it was, but I think that because she chose to be in this situation that that adds a really interesting level to it all. The writer does put these little bits of of humor. Yes. I thought it was really hilarious that Hermione practiced on Dumbledore because Dumbledore went around reading people's (laughs) minds. I love it. It kind of like the thing that Ryan actually mentioned one time where someone was in an elevator and you weren't allowed to read minds and so they they had someone thinking there's going to be a fire, there's going to be a fire, and then the person you know, finding out reading what's on your mind and getting their reaction. And I love the banter. She's really good at writing dark and angsty and she's really good at writing light and witty. A lot of times when they don't get the humor, when Ron and Harry see them and they're joking around about the fact that she's bleeding to death, you almost need to laugh in those kind of situations. If you don't laugh, you're going to go crazy. You really need humor to balance out a lot of the stuff that happens in this fic. Well, speaking of Dumbledore, how did y'all feel about his character? We talked about Harry and Hermione and Snape and everybody. To me, he felt a bit, at times, a little too aloof. And then at times, Horrible. When she asked, did you say the families? And he's like, no, they were burned and they melted. And let me give you a descriptive yeah, detail. I didn't job there, Dumbledore. That, that was fantastic. <laughs> I, Way to yeah. calm her down after a night of, of frivolity. Horror. And well, I think what's interesting with Dumbledore is that he's in this position where he wants to be able to say, you can't do this. But at the same time, as a general, he needs this as much as he hates the fact of where it's coming from. He could forcibly keep her in the castle. I think he, he needs the information so much. Well... It could go either way with me because I agree that it's a war and you have to do things you don't necessarily want to do. At the same time, how much of the decision was really his? Mine comes up to him and says, by the way, Dumbledore, I want you to know that I'm a Death Eater and that I'm just going to spy for you now. <laughs> I love the way she's going to come up to him and I'm just imagining blank, blank. Oh, start stuffing lemon drops left and right. <laughs> Binging on lemon drops, they'll find Dumbledore like I should. He's like shaking back and forth. Lemon drops, she won't have been the spy. Dumbledore will be checking eating disorder clinic to binge on lemon drops. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! I'm so scared! Lemon drops are the new vodka. What can I say? Hermione comes back and tells Severus that Voldemort is planning an attack. 
and Dumbledore sends people to the scene at once to try to get the people out. Wouldn't the smart villain say to himself, Ah, I must have a spy. How could Dumbledore have known about this so quickly? <laughs> well, I know imagine in like Villains 101, you get the class. Now, if someone arrives on the scene too quickly, that's an indicator of fill in the blank. Yeah, come on, guys. But this is why the evil villain is a moron in every yes. story. So sure about Hermione. If he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't a moron, then he would win. And that wouldn't be a good story. That's true. So hey, at least he's not jumping up and down yelling, kill them, kill them. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? Wait, what? Think with that room again? I feel like like they could quit it match. match. Yes. <laughs> you have one hour. You have one exactly. hour. If you do not comply in one hour, like, that's like it's I copyright will give on you that one hour. It's written by J.K. Rowling, dramatized by Ryan. <laughs> My explanation for how they managed to get away with not tipping off the Death Eaters is that the one family didn't make it. So it's like, oh, well, maybe we can go check out all these other people. Yeah. Or Snape has bad odds. One out of three, not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> she did what she could, and without it, they wouldn't have saved anyone. So that's sort of, you have to go at it from that angle. They'd half full instead of half empty. Well, I really liked the line where Hermione is sitting in the library, and, and I'm going to read it because I really like it. It said, had Hermione been one to still cry after all she'd seen and endured, she would have done so now in the darkness of the library but she couldn't cry instead she stared into the night for hours her dry eyes burning like fire that no witness could ever douse i just really like the fact that it shows that when you see so much horror when you've done so many things you're not proud of you really do you get to a point where you can't grieve or weep about it because you've accepted so much it's kind of like the biblical saying about hear no evil see no evil speak no evil or wait i said it wrong but you know what i mean the more that you're introduced to the less innocent you become she's completely lost her innocence i like when they talk about that's why you were always so angry wasn't it and you used your anger to keep you going and that's why you seem to be infuriated all the time if you're furious with those who are really responsible for the death of those people, you can unhinge the world. And I think that that's important that you can't just let this destroy you because it so easily could. Seeing things like this so easily could just break someone. You can't let that happen. You literally are not going to survive. You need to do what you need to do to survive. I like the idea of physicality. However, mm -hmm. does Hermione really have to have a martial arts master for an aunt? <laughs> that's just a little too convenient for me. Every fic gets a certain amount of overly convenient occurrences and I feel like that was one of the fics over yeah, the convenient like, occurrences. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was like, whoa, thank God Hermione's aunt was a martial arts master. I was <laughs> going to watch Hermione. <laughs> 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 I liked it because that's in a lot of things. You just come to accept that they yeah. can—they're all powerful. These smart people. Right. Yeah, I think it was just like the way that the author presented it. Snape's so way of teaching her. What would you do if I did this? He like knocks her out. I, I love the fact that it's like <laughs> physical fighting. She like physical fighting. She asked, and if their conversation had never been interrupted, and if she hadn't very nearly shattered her professor's windpipe. It's just a funny way of writing it. She kind of has reflexes, and I think she gets better at it. I mean, she isn't like a master to begin with. She just sort of knows basics, but she has really good reflexes. I mean, she doesn't have perfect stamina at first, they mentioned that. I like that he pushes her so far that she just has to let some of these things go instead of letting them fester. Well, what confused me was how, the, before they even went to the, the secret gym that was miraculous through the staircase, that he was like, I shall teach you the art of manipulation. And apparently manipulation in Snape term means kung fu. I don't know. <laughs> like, 
Well, that, that happens later. I feel like manipulation is like a long-term plan right now. It's okay, we have to get some emotion out of this girl, or she's going to just curl in upon herself. Love how Snape decided to get the emotion out of her, to just, like, push her until she just couldn't be pushed anymore, and just basically push her until she broke. I know that there's a thing that they do to teach people who've been hurt or abused or something. They teach them how to defend themselves, and that kind of makes them feel empowered. I know that whenever I'm really just overwhelmed and just pent up with emotion, and I really just have to, whatever's in me, I just have to, like, let it out. I get out of my house and just walk around until I'm so tired and schwitzig and disgusting that I just have no more energy left. Schwitzig? Schwitzig. It's Yiddish for sweaty, and it sounds wow. so much better. Of course, at the end, Snape, Hermione, hug moment. I thought that was ridiculous, but it was acceptable after that chapter. But I'm going to go there and say that was a little bit ridiculous, even for me. Really? Because I loved it. it. <laughs> and she fell into it. It was very melodramatic. Yeah, that's but what the, I mean. But the hug but itself. I like melodramatic sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need melodramatic after that scene. You're like, oh my god, oh my god. You like need some melodramatic. So we move on. And the first thing that made me laugh about chapter 23 is Hermione's like noticing her new muscles. And she's like, pretty yeah. soon I'm going to have to get new clothes. And I'm like, is she going to become competing for Miss Universe? <laughs> I'm sorry. Later in 23, again with Justin and the significant glance. I'm sorry. Oh my god. I <laughs> So hard. So hard. I was like, what is he going to do? Memory charm the entire class? Come on. And I love how it's like, he's so obvious about it. And later they're like, oh my God, he's so horrible. Like, the spy. Like, no, he's not allowed to spy for us. He's too bad at it. Well, did y'all think in details about the Snape and Hermione telepathy? We find out in this chapter they can talk to each other. I think it makes sense. It's kind of like they're both they turn it on and off. There's not like well, an on or off switch. No, I, I, I think, think no, I think it wasn't really, they're not really talking. It's not really telepathy it's they're legilimensing each other and in that way they're they're able to communicate he's yeah. legilimensing her and he's getting a message from her but why can't Dumbledore do that then it never occurred to him to use it as a means of communication I have to sing. you can't sing tonight yes I can also, there is there is a little bit of an on-off switch. They have to be either touching or looking into each other's eyes. See, I love when they figure it out. Are you reading my mind? I love oh, that he does it. it happens in class, it's, and he's like, like She saw his eyes widen for a second in surprise. Yeah. And I love how he must have been legitimizing her at that point in time. I love the fight day stage and the little codes <laughs> they use, pinning someone up against a wall and be like, pull it cloak and dagger aspect of it. It's very James Bond. And it was a little melodramatic, but I think it was nice kind of had to play like they hate each other in public. I think and it's it, fun. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. fun. It's, yeah. it's a fun aspect of this. It's Justin Flinch Fletchley. He keeps watching me. It gives me the creeps. I'm sorry, that line. Significant. <laughs> 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 well, to put well, a memory charm like on my, you. My note is, again, with Justin in the significant glance. <laughs> that was from Lori's POU. Oh my god, Justin's a gay death eater. Good god. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really, really awkward. Oh Although, yeah, never mind. Well, the end of 23, Snape invites Hermione to spend Christmas with him. Yeah. And he was married. It was so cute. You're going to be training and it's going to be somewhere where you can relax and not have to keep this act on. And that's more of the premise of spending Christmas with him. It's not in a romantic sense at this point. Which I think is just something that's important to point out as far as the course of their relationship goes. So Around that time, he was starting to fall for her. I don't think he realized it yet. He didn't realize it yet, but we, the reader, can see. Oh, look, he's getting nervous. Oh, look, he's touching her for a second too long. Oh, look. All these little things that, were, that we all go, well, aha! Touching, the touching thing is different because that's, again, crossing one of the barriers that she really can't do. wondered what you were planning to do about Christmas. You say that word as if it were a virus, isn't it? I liked when he sent her the humbug thought and she, like, almost spits out her juice everywhere. 
It must be awkward if people are just toying with your mind. It's kind of like listening to a podcast on a bus. I'm listening to PSW <laughs> and I start like choking on milk or something and everyone just sort of turns and stares. Like, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm listening to a podcast and they just, oh, never mind. I'm not going to say what they said, but it's really funny, actually. <laughs> Jen about ED and pretty sure that made me choke on something. <laughs> I, I, I listen to my podcast in the morning when I eat on the bus. So whenever I listen to something really funny, I end up not being able to eat because I'm choking and laughing so hard. Maybe you shouldn't listen to Fofa on the bus. But I have no school. other time. And I can't well, do it when I'm doing homework because then I don't trust myself not to write what I'm thinking or hearing. So, okay, so Snape and Hermione have come up with a plan. The Cylons were created by man. They rebelled. They evolved. They look and feel human. Some are programmed to think they are human. There are many copies. And they have a plan. The secret plan to fight inflation. Snape and Hermione have come up with a plan to make Draco Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Bye. Uh, I like that. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I would have been like, okay, well, give me some more details here. <laughs> he just wants to not be a liability. I really like that Draco is really freaked out by the fact that Snape is acting really, like, intimate with Hermione. Yeah, he's the yeah, first that's... one who noticed it before exactly. Ron. Right. That well, intimate not... in a sexual way, obviously. But just them like... a lot more, well, though. The thing is, though, yeah, and, and they don't act like that really when anyone else is around. Ron right. or Hermione. Right, Harry but he's, or anything else. he's yeah. freaked out because I think he's starting to see that they're closer than most friends, and especially when they're staring into each other's eyes for long periods of time and not saying anything. We know that they're doing the mind meld thing, but he's like, <laughs> what is going on here? It's yeah, freaking him out. Pretty awkward. Which, yeah, by the I- way, how rude is it for Severus and Hermione to be in a room full of people, all of them are staring at them and they're doing the mind thing? <laughs> I know. Like, how rude is that? I'm like picturing they're just staring at each other and everybody's staring at them and they don't even notice because they're talking to each other. Like, it's, it's funny, like, when you're well, in, like, the great hall and you're across subtlety. the room. I think that has some more subtlety to it. They're sort of good at that thing. But, really? Um, because there are definitely times when everyone in the room is staring at them and they're doing the mind melt thing. <laughs> well, that's normally yeah, when they're in, like, an order subtle. setting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're in, like, an order setting where it's somewhat acceptable. But, and um, they try to cover it by saying, oh, yeah, we should probably blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I wanted to point out was the bastard Draco, this whole scene. I just wrote down, whoa, thousand tens. I really like that Dr- there is that idea that Draco has this past that he's trying to deal with. Because this comes back in a big way later on. The idea of, I'm sorry, I can't believe I acted like that. Part of it, oh, well, this isn't you, but yes, it is me. And is that part of me still in there somewhere? What I really liked was they had this one small, if you skimmed it, you missed it, but they had this one little sentence where it talks about that Draco had started separating himself from the Slytherin and that he had been eating alone and, and all those things. And then suddenly, it was when he started turning back to be a spy that it was easier for him to slip back in knowing that he was spying than, than he was fitting in yeah. just to do it naturally. He had like a purpose. I like that small glimpse into seeing how Draco changed because it's just like P.S. said at the beginning, I need to see where characters go from here to here. I need to be shown it. And this was a small glimpse showing kind of how he had become nice Draco opposed to evil, gross Draco that we know from canon. Vulnerable. 
Admiral Draco and someone went about the right channels as to getting him on our, our side. This was a period when if someone had had the right way of doing things that they could have. And I think that that's what's taken advantage of here. And just sort of explaining what the Triggered Oblivion is, and you probably have read it if you're listening to this, but if not, it's just something that if there are a certain combination of words and combination with a certain stress level in our situation, that your personality will essentially revert to pre-programmed personality that will be appropriate for that situation that you will not have access to memories that may be found by Legilimens or Aquilimens or something like that. They do like Wiccan chanting, dancing <laughs> around him in a circle, and it just seems really <laughs> strange to me, and I'm like, Laura Mallory was right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> if Laura Mallory ever came across this fiction, she would read two sentences, have a heart attack, and drop dead. She'd be like, this is Harry Potter? Oh my gosh! I've never seen Wiccan chanting and stuff before. It's just interesting how the author just, includes it. I just got the idea that it was sort of playing on ancient magic type things. Ancient magic is more a Wiccan type, Lady of the Lake type, or it may just be really, really complicated, or they feel a need to dance in a circle for effect. <laughs> I like how Snape trusts Hermione to do it, and that Draco picks up on that. Snape acknowledging someone else's even competency in something is sort of a new idea for Draco. I like their bantering, and I yes. like that, first of all, that they're bantering around the knife, because I know Ray and I talked about this last night with Much Ado About Nothing, but I just love banter. Banter just makes my little heart flutter in joy. Especially when you have two really witty people like Severus exactly. and Hermione who are doing it. It's such a pleasure to read. Just to know what we're referring to, it's this Hermione is a knife, he said, quite unnecessarily. No, really, she retorted mockingly, and I had thought it a rubber duck. Yeah. And that was just great. <laughs> no, really. Now you gotta wonder why Snape knows what the heck a rubber duck is. Arthur Weasley sure didn't. Well, did he yeah. do what? No, no, Hermione said that the rubber duck. But he seemed to understand what she was saying. Well, Severus Snape's a very intelligent man. Yeah, he got the Yoda reference. Oh, no, it was McGonagall. Yeah, McGonagall told him about rubber ducks. I think it's so hard to write this shit because they are so intelligent. You're not at least able to write their intelligence. That's one of the many, many reasons that finding good Snape Hermione fic, it's like a needle in a haystack. Oh, God, I know. So many people try (laughs) and almost all of them just fail. Out of stuff I've read, there's maybe four or five, even if that fic that I actually like, like that I really really like. And there's maybe two of those that I would recommend to friends. Well, and I think this is why <laughs> that everybody keeps saying, why do people call Snape the Mr. Darcy-ish character? And I think it's because when you're writing on that intelligence level, that's sort of the reference you go to. Exactly. And if you're trying to write uh, Snape in a romantic context, then he has to almost become a Darcy-like character. In canon, he sort of has that wit, but he obviously lacks any romantic aspect because that's not his function in canon. But when you add that as a function in fan fiction, you end up going in that direction is sort of what I've experienced. Right, because Darcy was not good with words. He was not romantic. Like, you didn't look at him and ooze, but he was a man's man. You know what I mean? I sort of saw Snape in this as more like Dr. Rochester thing, which may just be because I read sped to Jane Eyre last week. The very witty parallel. She definitely see a lot in this. But I think there's also very much a darker aspect to Snape in this fic. Because he has a past. <laughs> I, I love mm. the humbug thing, where ah. she's just, like, choking. <laughs> Okay, I thought it was funny. Hermione's borrowing Snape's invisibility cloak, which I think is important because I think every good spy should have one. But why doesn't Hermione have her own at this They're point? They're hard to come by. You don't get the impression that she's probably like a pretty high-end item. She I doesn't think. want anybody to know. We don't know at this point that Snape isn't uh, pureblood, so we could just sort of see that it was an heirloom or something for him. Like, like every family got five. one. Even though she's mentioned earlier, I love Jane to death. 
I really do. <laughs> I elf did like still. Jane. Jane I is her. fantastic. I don't know. I can't kind of picture her as an elf. It doesn't it's come hard. up as an elf in my head. Yeah. I picture her as closer to Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> there was a Yoda girl. thing earlier that we were joking about, but she's kind of more like Yoda than an That's elf, funny. only younger. I have a really clear picture. Maybe this makes me weird. I have a, a really clear picture of Jane in my head. A house elf wearing normal clothes. Like, I just really have a clear picture of her. And I love that she yeah. speaks in full sentences. You, know, you realize the fact that it's only a sign of mission and the idea that you, know, you have to make them believe they deserve their rights and it's very much like freedom fighter talk i love you know i love being for that reason too i definitely wrote in one of the later chapters oh when i was i think i know notes, what you mean i oh, want no. to marry jane and have grammar freak nerd babies jane. I, i'm in love with jane i want to marry her and have little grammar nerd household babies which jane, i got it about have that you sent me your notes oh okay <laughs> i was like i'm looking <laughs> at my notes but my notes i'm looking reading like chapter 20 and that was way later chapter 70 uh, and also you're like i period love period jane period yeah i normally hate that but it seemed called for in this instance my love of jane knows no bounds of punctuation and now we have julia house elf to put in the brain (laughs) god i love minerva's present by the way minerva's present was a book a shadowy (laughs) figure was depicted on the cover under which big red letters said the tragic hero dark brooding and seductive a critical companion (laughs) for the ages oh what wonderful friends i have he muttered i I love it i love minerva so much (laughs) and this and then Jane gives him drawing because she always gives him something she, he's bad at. <laughs> I like that. This had a lot of stuff in it. There's one particular part in this chapter that I wanted to read. I love the scene where it describes how Snape and Hermione's relationship has progressed. Hermione and Severus settled into a steady rhythm easily, though. They, or at least Severus, who had turned out to be the night owl she always had assumed him to be, would sleep long, meet for breakfast, train a couple of hours, spend their afternoons on their own, and met again for dinner and evening training. Often, they would sit together in the library. He at his desk, she at her personal armchair, she reading, he grading essays or drafting articles, muttering comments or criticisms. Both were used to talk with the text in front of them if it angered or surprised them. I love that sentence, by the way. Would lead to lengthy discussions about the strangest topics. Sometimes Severus would rush her up into his lab to prove his theory, or she would select a book from his library and read aloud to him, simply ignoring his thrown-in lengthy comments. Oh, yes, he had shown her his lab. You know what I mean? And and I like yeah. her. She just was so comfortable watching him. Uh, she would watch him prepare his potions, marveling at the expertise of his long, slender fingers. And I like this one. Sometimes she would assist him, but she felt content enough just sitting there, following his every movement and memorizing his lectures he delivered absently. In that part where they get along and stuff, it's so small. And it's in so, the it seems so natural. It doesn't seem like it's forced. Yeah, which I like, right. Very much so. And I just kept thinking, why can't he teach like this? What confused me the most? Okay, at the beginning, Snape is smiling over his breakfast or whatever, and he catches himself, and all he feels is freedom. He's not a spy anymore. And we find out here that he uses anger as a way to keep going on and keep fighting the fight. He's not a spy anymore. So you would think that his teaching style would change to this. It shows him in front of Hermione and he's the same guy. He maybe just likes being a complete bastard sometimes. His you character. <laughs> I feel like oh, that's yeah. it. Later in the forest scene, he's talking about Harry's trying to give explanation for Snape's behavior. And Hermione's like, nope, he just thinks Slytherins are superior beings. And that's yeah. all. And I, I like that. It was just, well, you know, he can be a prejudiced bastard and still be a nice guy sometimes. And, you know, 
I can accept that. I, 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 I like that. And I also think it's just who he is. You just fall into this routine for so long that it's hard to change. Also, do you know how much easier it probably is for him to control a class that way? Exactly. Like, I, like as a future teacher, I personally would never do that. But for Snape, it just... <laughs> because it's <laughs> awful? Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's a terrible thing to do. However, it works for him. Do you know what would happen if he walked into class one day and all of a sudden was like, tra-la-la, Rizzi's Snape. Well, also, you have to consider that he started teaching when he was 19. So he was teaching people who were like, three years younger than him. And I think you really kind of need to have a really crackdown personality to even, just as a high school student, being having been in high school classes, we can smell fear. There are teachers who are really intimidated by us then you can tell and it's much harder for them to control a class so that's an, a dynamic that you kind of have to consider in this i don't want to put people on the spot but i'm going to p.s mm-hmm. i would like to know how you felt about the whole scene that we just discussed where snape and hermione are becoming closer and better because we're all sitting here going oh my god i love it it's so natural it's so okay. amazing i'm gonna be just repeating myself over and over again this stuff, I just sort of gloss over because it's repelling to me. The actual espionage plot, I think, mm-hmm. could be kind of interesting, and that's really what kept me reading. But mm-hmm. I think there was a certain point where this got too much for me and too unbelievable that I was just sort of glossing over it. This is just one of those things that... Yeah, either, either you love it or you hate it. <laughs> that's right. There's definitely some ships out there that I cannot even remotely swallow. Yeah. And and I'm pretty open. Yeah, same <laughs> so here. I, don't know. I mean, and there were definitely couple people on the forum who were getting physically ill from reading this fic so yeah you know, I, that's okay i really was I i'm actually really surprised you stuck with it so long i have a lot of respect for you for giving it a shot yeah. <laughs> well, it gets out I mean, of your box yeah i have a famously high tolerance for stuff i'll really stick with most things until i finish them famously the only things i've ever bailed on are paradigm of uncertainty and you're like another <laughs> i build in paradigm of uncertainty too I read the first one. Uh, and I was yeah, like, oh, I, I built on Paradigm of Uncertainty just because it started annoying me with the plot. But well, obviously, I love it. it. And see, <laughs> I like it too. Know, I, pro- I don't really think my thing. problem is with this ship. I just didn't like this fic. Oh, I will wow. provide okay. you with a couple of racks soon. I will try them. Yeah. I didn't think it was really well written at all, and that's really hard for me to get through. I definitely really thought that there were parts of it that was were really well done. So I guess it's a different yeah, opinion. I would of, say the first ten chapters or so, I sort of stumbled on it because I don't think the author. Fair had a groove yet and then as yeah, soon yeah. as like chapter 20 hit i was turning pages all about first impressions because the beginning was so hard for me to read even through to the end i do acknowledge that it's getting more readable the plot is not any less silly to me but at least it's getting more readable a lot of authors really struggle with exposition it's just a big problem for a lot of people they just can't deal with it in this fic that's definitely the case for the first 20 chapters are just like okay this is act one it's exposition where just setting the scene and it sucks. I disagree. I, mean, I, I definitely think there was a lot in when one to twenty that set up the characters as far as because I actually feel like really there was a lot of bragging in the first half. There was so much repetition of Hermione goes to a Death Eater meeting. She comes back. She's all cut up and injured. They have to help her. She goes to yeah, a Death but those who, of us who like the gushy moments, like I live for that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I think yeah, it's it just okay building characterization. A lot of it. Can each one have a purpose as far as character building? Sort of have that plot where the first half is you build up the character. In the second half, you have the character, then you can go on to more fast-paced plot because you don't have to explain the character so much at every turn. Right, but I, that, that's where it got tedious for me. That's where I started to skim, where it was like, okay, she's injured. Yeah. It almost seemed to me 
like she was going for shock value, where she was like, Hermione's legs are smashed and her guts are hanging out. These terrible <laughs> things had happened to her. The focus was him healing her and their relationship building. It bothered me that it seemed to dwell so much on that. I mean, I well, think that's it's, what the fic is about. The of the yeah. story. It's part of what's going on, and you can't just not have it because it's going on in the plot. If we wanted a, a more fat-paced fic, then it may have gotten annoying. I just liked it the way it went. I got more into these sort of expedition-type chapters where you may not have gotten into them as much, so it's just preference of how you like fics to be written. I think it's really yeah. interesting. I love how different people read the same thing and have different reactions. I love that yeah. she felt the need to skim over things that I was just hanging on word for word. Exactly. And I'm sure that there were parts that she read that I was probably like, okay, let's get back to the romantic stuff. You know what I mean? I, I, her. Get, I don't get the Mr. Darcy thing. I don't really get the appeal of that characterization of Snape. Don't get the appeal of Mr. Darcy, that, that, that whole genre of thing. I do sort of find the actual, I keep calling it the actual plot, but I don't know, it's cheapening the ship, the Voldemort plot. I do find that mildly interesting, which is really what's keeping me going. It got a lot more interesting to me when Harry and Draco started to be bigger players because I find them more interesting. I partially agree with you and partially disagree. Like, I don't find them more interesting characters, but I think that when they got into it, it did get far more interesting. I agree. I think it richened the story, but I definitely do think that Snape and Hermione are interesting in their own right, so I'm going to agree and disagree as well. <laughs> well, I think, obviously, when a story gets in there and you have juxtaposing storylines and characterizations, that any story is going to be better when exactly. there's different subplots going on at the same time. But True. what did you think about the character of Voldemort? Did you like the way that he's written in this story? Or the I Death feel Eaters? like he's more or less a non-entity. Like, I don't really think she spends a lot of time on Voldemort and the Death Eaters. They're more or less in the background and implied to be there. And you know they're there and you know they're bad because of what Hermione's telling. I feel like... Kind of like the boogeyman yeah. type of... It may be, maybe not really that, but it's more like she doesn't need to show you what's going on because she has her. I need to tell you. Somebody was talking about Christmas, and I think it's a good place to go back to. Yeah. I kind of want Snape's teapot. (laughs) Me too. That is a beautiful teapot. I know. It was gorgeous. I really wanted it, and I didn't care for the knives. I thought, oh. I well, like it's, it's more of a utilitarian type thing. I'm reading this and I'm like, ooh, I would get to down and get some tea. No, you should stay here in the podcast. Stay here, you know. What a lovely romantic present. Here are some knives. It was the meaning behind him, I'm sure. He had to kind if of I be like, knives, well, I was going to give them to you anyway. And I just thought it'd be a good occasion and being kind of very, they're not presents. They're just, oh, I was, they're utilitarian. You need them as tools. I thought it was a very sneak present. James got me life jacket and a fishing pole <laughs> our first year. We're married. Really? And that was so we could go fishing together. And I was like, oh, thanks. It was just it wasn't one of those. <laughs> it was one of those gifts like for him more than for gift. you. I think that for in this case, it was a good present because of all the significance behind the knives. Wasn't uh-huh. I would like to go fishing with you because I think it seems like a fun way to pass the time. I think it was this is how our relationship developed because of this training was a big, huge part of it. And here is a nice token so that we can now do it. So, he did say that he would give them to her yeah. even if it wasn't Christmas. Also, yeah. here's the way to have stay alive. You know, that's that, always that good. was a little bit of fail in romantic Snape department, but I still <laughs> yeah. like the sentiment behind the, yeah. Crash and burn. And then again, Hermione falls asleep in the living room and Snape carries her to bed. It just, that 
started to feel a bit silly because I thought yeah, someone as practical as Hermione would know, hmm, I'm getting tired. I'm going to go to bed. You know what I mean? I agree. I didn't, I'm not sure if I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I liked I mean, it once or twice. It's one thing for her to be so tired she literally can't carry herself upstairs. And it's another for her to just be stupid about it. At times, yeah. it just got a little silly. I think there's times when she's being stupid. And then there's times when I can sort of justify to myself because she needs to let her guard down at some point And she's getting to the point where she can let her guard down with Snape. And I can accept that because... It's the only place she can. And so that's why yeah, I accept it a little bit. Yeah, the that's did why get a I thought she did it, too. I agree. Because I thought there is no place where she can let her guard down at all. So when she's with Snape, she can do it completely. Exactly. Right? I mean, and these I, scenes did get a little over the top. But again, it's sort of a balanced thing where I accept them in the, in the context of being balanced. Right. On the romantic note of things, as far as I'm concerned, there are very few gestures in the world that are more intimate than falling asleep with someone. And so the fact that she trusts Snape that much to allow that level of intimacy just yeah. made me very happy. So we're so. moving on to chapter 26. And 26 to me is the dun-dun-dun chapter. 26 Hermione. is really dark. And it, this made yes. me really uncomfortable. And I recognize that it's supposed to make me really uncomfortable. And it, I mean, it's hard, it's hard for it me really to read. really well, though. I was on the edge of my seat going, oh, my gosh, what's going to go on? You know, Hermione obviously was not herself. Snape yeah. goes out of character to take care of her. He's even overly sensitive. Well, Jen mm-hmm. and Ray, you'll get what I mean when I say that this reminds me of chapter I think it was 25 of the year like the other or the yes. chapter of your yeah that very, chapter of like the other it reminds so. me a lot of that very um, much you say so <laughs> well that was the chapter that was very very pivotal is that where Harry got his eyes poked out yeah <laughs> okay spoiler alert thanks spoiler alert we did that forever ago <laughs> that's true but I didn't listen to those podcasts because I haven't read the fic yet although I did promise yeah and oh, I read it that. I'm going to read it during the summer because, well, I have to read after the end and she has to read a year than another. Oh my and by the end of 2009. I can't believe you haven't read that. That's I haven't even okay. read that one. Cody okay. doesn't really do Harry Ginny in fanfic. No, if anybody doesn't know yet on New Year's, me, Cody, and Shoshana, and I think Ray might have been involved in this too, but we were all together yeah, on Skype good. for New Year's and we yeah. all sort of made an agreement that if Shoshana, Cody, and Ray would read after the end, then I would read a year like none other. And wow. we, by, by the we, end of 2009. Yeah. By the end of 2009, because we real, realize how, that we're very busy people. So <laughs> that was the deal. And I'm going to, uh, to partake and hold up my end of the bargain. Huh. This is Julia from the future. I've already started it, and it's scathingly good. I had an right. exam in history of the English language this week that made me want to punch Dr. Flory in the face. This class is the stupid. The only reason I have to take this class is because the professor is the the graduate coordinator for the English department, and he has forced it upon us all. And not even for the masters, because like I'm getting a master's degree and a teaching certification at the same time, and I don't need this class for my masters. I need it for the certification. So if somebody, please tell me why in my career as a high school English teacher, I'm going to need to know what an I umlaut is. Don't be dissing <laughs> linguistics. Linguistics is awesome. I know. I took linguistics last semester and I enjoyed it. It's just that I don't need a class on the history of the English language. I just don't. I love the history of language. That was, I think the history of the English language was the most interesting tape I ever got from the teaching company. Well, you should feel free to come here and take my class for me anytime you want. Ooh, let's see if I can make that. Probably can. Oh. If you write but, my essay about lesbians for me. No problem. But to get the full effect, though, you really have to come here at, at 5 o'clock. And before sitting through two and a half hours of history of the English language, you have to sit through two and a half hours of Shakespeare. Oh, well, I'll have to take a rain check on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, listen, I love Shakespeare as much as anyone. I am celebrating Shakespeare's birthday today. However, 
like two and a half hours of Shakespeare followed by two and a half hours of a class I don't like. It's just my brain shuts off. I just can't deal with it. By 8.30 every Wednesday, I'm texting Chi from my class going, I've been sitting here for four hours. My ass hurts. My back hurts. My brain is mush. Make it stop. This has so much to do with oh, yeah. the lioness, when a lioness exactly. fights. That I just talked about the really awful chapter. It's angsty, it's hard to read. Snape combs her hair and braids it. Which it just shows that Snape is so comfortable with her. I, I love it. But then chapter 27 is basically the opposite, where she wakes up and she freaks out because he bathed her, he touched her. I would not have been comfortable with 26 if it were not for 27, honestly. Ditto. like I think that 27 made it so that I could take 26 and I made it a lot more believable. Well, I really like that she tries to end their partnership and leave and he's no you don't understand our relationship has to change because this is serious it's they not just of, about you right they kind of redraw the lines that she said in the beginning where she was like you know don't show me pity don't blah 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 they had to redraw the lines because the circumstances are worsening yeah and she can't and just back out because if she goes down then you know everyone goes down with her which is a scary thought but again pretty much the thought that harry's had to deal with for how many years since book five right. at least Right. So he convinces her they need to, that she needs to stay and they need to work together, and she agrees at the end. It's a good chapter. It's an important chapter. It definitely makes the the previous chapter you know acceptable. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about twenty seven. Just like some of the quotes that I really really loved. Are you trying to tell me that this is about my behavior yesterday, that I cared for you, that I worried about you and treated you like a human being, not a thing? It's not about pity. This is about giving you what you need and keeping you from cracking up. And this one line made me cry so much. Everything was fine before you came, she yelled, not caring that her voice sounded hysterical and breaking. I was doing my job and I wasn't hurting a bit. I had accepted that this was to be my task in life. I was made of stone and steel and their real self was tucked away too far to even be touched by Lucius's knives. I couldn't feel anything anymore. And then just the idea that it made it so that she could feel, but then she was able to feel all the pain again, which you sort of recognize that you have to be able to feel, but at the same time, having to feel all of this again. The idea that this was an acceptable way to live for yeah. her just was, tore at my heartstrings. But it was know? the only way she could live, almost. And it was so sad. And then yeah. I love the entire exchange with Scars. Oh my god, guys. I'm going yes. to, I'm going to have, read that. I have a little bit of a thing with Scars. I yeah. love Scars. I have a Scar fetish. They just make me really <laughs> wow. happy because they're just like... They they're just have like emotional baggage or physical... <laughs> no, physical Scars. They're just like... Oh, okay. They make people unique. This Scar yeah, belongs to not. you. It is a symbol of your past. And it's very you. And I just... I love Scars scars and i love that there are things that people usually try to hide and i love that snape is just like no i can't hide from you one can't be the partner of a stone or the friend of a corpse he told her lovely and that's what you're becoming hermione that's what i was for so many years dead to the world i want you to look beyond your scars and see your life hermione what do you know about scars she whispered as much as you do he answered as quietly and coming to decision <laughs> hey this is where the ripped here she packed <laughs> i the love way. it <laughs> and I like she backed away from him her wand raised in a trembling hand but he made no move to advance on her I like that she sort of has this reflex of protecting herself you're not the only one they hurt he whispered and turned his back towards her he heard no cry no gasp and only a slightly louder intake of breath but he knew what she was seeing a landscape of crisscrossing scars some white and nearly faded with age some red and angry even after years of healing he didn't turn around towards her, but he could feel her eyes darting over his back, following the white lines that had carved paths and streets into his skin. 
And he talks about his father beating him as a child. And they talk about how he turned to Voldemort. And then at the end, he says, So, Hermione, after what you know about me, do you think I'm worthless? Do you think I'm dirty and deserved what the world did to me? Tell me, do you believe it turned me into a thing? And then her voice was shocked. She answered, No, I would never think. And then he says, You know, then how can you believe it of yourself? And I'm paraphrasing at this point, but you know, you're doing it for a good cause. And I just fell into it as a weakness. And I like that he went there and that he made that comparison because I think that it definitely helped her. I love this chapter. I loved it. You said it perfectly. I like in your notes, you're like, JFF again? Something's up. It could be that Justin just wants to shoot him at significant glance and memory charm all of Muggle London, but somehow I don't think so. Every time I hear (laughs) Justin, I just assume that there's a significant glance and a memory charm involved. Well, it's likely in in this story because he's kind of a shady character in the stories. Bilia? I'm here. I went on mute for a second. My dad's home. Ryan hated my old mutant butt because every time I would go on mute, it would go click, <laughs> click. <laughs> like hmm. taking away the entire purpose of a mute. Sorry, I'm back. There's All a right. hole in my shirt. <laughs> what? There's a hole in my shirt. My cat's deciding to sleep on me. I miss my cat. I wish I had a cat. We're going down! I just want to read the last part of chapter 27. Out there, the world might be a place of danger and pain, but here it was just them. Two spies, both scarred. I have a scar fetish. Both too clever for their own good. Both in the presence of the deepest trust they'd ever felt. And I just think it's so important that this idea of trust and this understanding that they have, because no one else that they know has really gone through this. Harry Potter? Harry Potter? Harry Potter? Harry Potter? Harry Potter? Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. What? In 28, they figure out about Justin. Mayor has kidnapped his parents. She suggests Snape is a spy master in this. Right. She, she whips out her, her manipulation skills. Yes. <laughs> yeah, her kung fu <laughs> skills. Oh, I like that Snape taught her this and then it kind of come back to bite him. But, we um, assume he taught her. I mean... From what I can see, she had this pretty innately. I'm not sure she taught her anything. Very true. That's true. 29. I mean, these kind of all meld together because this is like the actual like plot storyline is starting to happen. There's yeah, not a whole exactly. lot. He finds out. He sounds pissed, but it's really okay because he accepted the job. So he's just complaining about it because he can. Because he wants <laughs> to complain and be a jerk. He and that's just complain. him. Yeah. And this is where Draco is finally recruited as a spy. My whole thought was, they're just now figuring this out. Well, he's sort why of been an unofficial spy. spy but he's now been he's giving the official. letter. But you have, like, an official badge, an official license to be a spy. I mean, like, he was doing the work before. I mean, now he's licensed, but, you know, he was still a now spy. Now he's licensed. <laughs> I picture him as, like, a hall monitor with, like, this staff. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets music now. Dun, 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 no. Does he have a license Break to kill? Oh, gee. Oh, P.S. Really? No. <laughs> Basically, all he is is he's a little mean, and Justin listens. And we're all supposed to go, aha! Justin so. is just so intimidated. It's like... Is that what the point? I got really confused. I didn't get that much either. They're trying to communicate the message that I don't even know. Because I'm not sure <laughs> how so much. Lost. <laughs> Why does it, it matter if Justin knows that Hermione is with Draco's father? Well, other than him being creeped out beyond belief, um, I'm not really sure. <laughs> and other than sure. his tendency to say things in public places. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be sort of creepy if you're like, yeah. Well, my classmates sort of sleep with my dad. <laughs> doesn't give me enough details about it. I don't know how much Justin knows, so I'm not sure how much a revelation it is to him. It wasn't really a revelation. (laughs) 
I kept going, okay, Draco's a spy, and what is the purpose here? Is it bait about it? How is it bait? I'm not sure. I, I really didn't get it. I, I, I wasn't entirely sure. All of us are like... Beyond our level of intelligence. Apparently. I, I, guess, I don't this, this is why none of us write Snape Hermione, because we just don't get it. We're not, we're not there yet. We're not at that level. We're I think it's just yet. a glitch with the story. That's all I think. Like, maybe she there thought was she was going to go there. somewhere, and then... Yeah, maybe, just that like, happened. she got it, but she never got... Like, this makes sense to her, but she never really made it make sense to us sort of thing that that could be it that happens to me a lot when i'm yeah. speaking and or writing it's just the, even the other day i was saying something and somewhere along the line everybody was looking at me like huh and i was like <laughs> you know what it makes sense in my head and that yes. is all that matters that's i right. agree that happens Dude, so I often live with that quote. <laughs> <laughs> that's Did worse ever- it's like when you're I doing lo- something and then you half wake up and try to talk about it and then you yeah. don't even understand what was going on <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Justin's carrying a notebook. Peeking around the corner, scribbling in his notebook. Yeah, that's not... <laughs> he's like Harry the Spy. Good for the old subtlety game. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's so. Harry at the Spy. He's Harry at the Spy. That's so funny. He's Harry at the Spy. Also, I, I think I can pretty confidently say thanks for naming the episode. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Please excuse me as I let all Twitter know that. <laughs> I love how Cheese laughed at us slash you for Twittering during podcasting. The pot is calling the kettle black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't, let, don't let Ryan hear this because we're supposed to be focused. Ah, damn you all! Well, listen, focused. I can focus in Twitter at the same time. I am talented. All right. <laughs> I love that um, they describe Dumbledore as ever twinkling. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were going to say ever twittering. <laughs> <laughs> I got that one. Yeah, Dumbledore on the Twitter. <laughs> He's twittering. <laughs> Lemon drop? What? Yeah, that Dumbledore's Twitter screen name would be Lemon Drop. It yeah. Would be. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> it's like the naked Quidditch it's thing where it's like, from Lemon Drop to Scottish Cat. Yeah, no, at Scottish like Cat. The, did anyone see the leaky April Fool's Day joke when they had the whole Harry Potter Twitter thing? made up they had a, a twitter and like all the harry potter characters were going back and forth with each other loves umbridge is filch on a similar note you guys know passover just happened and somebody yeah. sent me a link to the haggadah the passover story as a facebook page oh i saw that too that was the funniest thing i've ever seen i almost plotted. it was so funny <laughs> and i'm gonna send you all the link right now you read it later plot? but it's i almost plotted. <laughs> It means and like that fell. Means, okay, <laughs> thank you. No problem. It's like, like I almost fell off. my head, staring at my computer screen, like, what did she just say? <laughs> Yiddish is a superior language to English in almost all respects, in that oh. it has words like schwitz, plots, and schluff. They <laughs> spell plots out of curiosity. P L O T Z. Okay. I love the look on Hermione's face when Snape is like, "I don't read Harry's essays. I just write scathing yes. <laughs> comments on the side and move on." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, like, no, I actually read them, sadly. Severus and Minerva were bantering about how Minerva was comparing Severus to someone from Wuthering Heights, and Severus (laughs) was saying that because of the Odyssey and the Iliad, someone with Minerva has no sense of character judgment. I am in love with Minerva McGonagall. I pretty much am, too. And there is totally also an allusion to Pride and Prejudice in this chapter. It is a truth universally acknowledged by men. I I caught that. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, Pride and Prejudice illusion. I got that. (laughs) Uh, That was very much a nerdy and that one i was okay with because i definitely recall in a couple chapters later like she misquoted shakespeare and she sometimes has the habit of putting it inserting poetry where it doesn't really belong and i'm sitting there just like oh god it's one of like my biggest pet peeves ever nothing says english major show off 
like insert poetry into fanfic. <laughs> no, oh man, it it just it's like one of my huge major pet peeves. I'm gonna I don't be very... like it. I I don't mind. It's okay. It's okay I when it's done if subtly. It's done, yeah, if it's done subtly. correctly, in this fic, the chapter titles of chapter seventy one and seventy two are fantastic. I love them. They are a reference to a John Dunn sonnet, and when we get there. Yeah. In a couple podcasts from now, I'm sure that I will go on ad nauseum about it. But yes, that was really will. well done. But things like, oh, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden there's a Shakespeare sonnet. And I'm like, what the hell? Stop showing off. <laughs> be, like, be great. Great. You like oh, English literature. Okay. Oh, come on. She takes all these English like class. She's allowed to show off a little bit. Well, you, sure you can you can name your chapters after John Donne. That's good. You can I make references it. like this. That's okay. Okay, okay. All right. See, sometimes oh, I just rant a little bit, and that no, that was what really. Then. Chapter okay. thirty. Well, we start with Harry makes Ron and Hermione go play in the cave, which I was like, really? And she was like, I don't really want to, but sure, because we're kids, and that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> and I'm like, like screaming, I, no, no, I no! That it was hard to follow Hermione at times because at times she was super spy, mature, and then at times she. She's like, I'm 12. Well, I think that she has to almost play that role to be the person they expect her to be. But then in her mind, she's sort of still sort of like, crap, how do I keep these people from dying? At the same time, she can't be Hermione around them until they know because that would throw them off a bit. I did, it made sense to me. I didn't notice that anything was amiss. It's like one of the things where I'm like, Ron, Harry, head death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The others around the table had fallen silent. Draco recognized what they were doing and tried not to disturb them. And McGonagall watching them with an unreadable look in her face. I wonder what we should do about Justin. Snape introduced the topic aloud. What do you think, Minerva? I think that I never knew legitimacy could be used that way. It's rather <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sometimes wonder if anybody ever managed to keep something from you, Minerva. He answered good-humoredly. Not for long, she retorted. <laughs> <laughs> I love Minerva. You cannot keep something away from Minerva. She will find out and she will be pissed. Okay, so chapter 31 is where the proverbial shit hits the fan. I actually have Remus, it in my notes. Remus yeah. runs out of Wolfsbane Potion and goes to get some. After struggling with a decision first, he has to angst, because that's what Remus does, and he does Remus it well. He's like, pisses me off in this chapter. <laughs> He's so... Well, does he not know Snape at all? He's one of the super secret password they people. They were like, I mean, BFFs come on. For a while. <laughs> I know. It's it's so strange because half of me, because you guys really like remember, I'm the only Gryffindor in the room. And so half of me is going, you know what? I understand. I would probably do the same thing and totally see that he would see Hermione and just. Remus is normally ruled by logic, but there are certain things logic be damned. You just react viscerally. And to see a bleeding, tortured Hermione lying on Snape's couch, he just freaked out. And half yeah. of me is going, okay, I understand it. I, I completely understand. And the other half of me is going, you idiot, you know Snape, you know there's a reason for everything. You know mm-hmm. that this is not really what happened. And stop yeah. screwing things up for the order. I'm sure many people just hated that whole thing, and I was really frustrated, but I it got it. It so painful. and get worse and worse. Right. But it had to happen you know, at some point. I know. really would have been okay with it if Harry and Ron hadn't been in Dumbledore's office when Remus went bursting in. Remus is older. Remus is more mature. He can handle this sort of thing. Harry and Ron were well-intentioned, but just flipped out, like worse than within the bounds of normalcy, I think. Well, I don't know. I think they flipped out just enough. I think Ron was a little overboard, but that's his character. That's how yeah. Yeah. he does everything overboard. Everything is over. But Remus, I thought, was out of character and that he was just, Snape's bad! He's evil again! And blah, blah, blah! If there's only three people that have access to Snape's super secret cave, you would think that he'd be really close with those people. And I love when Snape's just like, please just obliviate them. I don't no, wish they, they had. Or hit them 
over the head with something, that would work too. Well, I mean, with <laughs> Harry, it was good because this chapter really sparked Harry into all of a sudden grow up. This is the end of my childhood. If Hermione's doing this, I need to be able to handle this. I did not enjoy Ron's reaction. It's always Ron. It's always Ron. You know, there's got to be one in every fic, and in this case, it's Ron, who is mostly, well, I shouldn't say that he's mostly harmless because he pretty much screws things up a little later. Just a bit, just a bit. Should just let Hermione go at him and leave him <laughs> Well, we're not protecting her, we're protecting you. <laughs> the worst thing he could have done was try to touch her. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know. know. Is. She, she did kind of up. claw his face up, though. Someone is touching me, I do not know who this is, I just woke up from being knocked out, what is going on? Right. And it, it was more instinctual than, oh yay, Ron, let's attack him. But wasn't Snape standing there screaming at him, don't touch her? She was yeah. asleep at this point, and then she said, I don't believe a word of this, Snape proved it. And then she opened her eyes and groaned, God, I'm getting too old for this. And then he comes from behind her. He just comes out of nowhere. He's coming from behind, just stupid to begin with. Yeah. And Snape's like, get the heck away. And then Hermione takes over because she's just on that mode where you're just so tense that anything will just make you snap. And she snapped. And she went so, straight for his throat, which I kind of well, liked. Well, if you're being attacked, you try to take out your attacker and so they cannot hurt you any longer. So that's the most efficient way to do it, I would think. Chapter 32, which is basically just the continuation of this scene. Ron, See? I swear to science, if you do not shut the <laughs> F up, I will kill you. I was so pissed at Ron. So pissed. Like half of we me all were, like, man. And you'd better stop behaving like some whining drama queen. People are fighting and dying around you every day, and Hermione is doing what she can to reduce the losses to a minimum. And then I wrote, "Thank God yeah. somebody said that." That was McGonagall, right? That was perfect. Somebody needed to tell Ron to just shut the hell up, put on his reality pants, deal with life. <laughs> and I'm so glad that McGonagall did it. I, I only wish that that I it actually worked. I don't think he can even really stop. There's no stopping him. This is gonna sound so horrible, but there's this old woman who goes to my shoulder. And a couple of years ago, she had a stroke and lost a little bit of her mental faculties. And Ron kind of reminds me of her. <laughs> Last week, World War III broke out because somebody forgot to buy soda. The stroke victim <laughs> woman freaked out and would not shut up. I've been there. Olivier. Ron reminds me of this person that you just want to slap him upside the head and just go, Ron, shut up. You're not helping. And if you would calm down for two seconds and possibly consider using your brain, you might realize what's going on. But I do want to point out that I almost broke my laptop because I wanted to just rip apart the screen, go into this fic, and kill him alive when he called Hermione a Slytherin slut. I was in an AP review session and I get a text from Julia. I am going to kill Ronald Weasley. And I'm just like, oh, so you're there. Like, where are you when I need you? Why are you not on Skype right now? I'm studying about the civil <laughs> rights movement. That anything. is not important in comparison to the fact that I needed you to stop me from killing Ron. <laughs> I'm sure he'll survive without my help. Well, yeah. he deserves to be a little killed. killed. A little killed? We're using Partly killed dead. as a metaphor for not killed. Not all dead. Only partly <laughs> dead. I'm not quite dead. I'm sure that right now our editors are going to insert that entire scene from Monty Python. Depends on who the editor is. If it's Keza, then it won't be there because she doesn't know what the heck Money Python is. Well, you all are just lucky I'm not the editor this time. I don't know what it's been said. I don't know what it's been said. We're off to war, we're not yet dead. We're off to war, we're not yet dead. Become a knight and you'll go far. Become a knight and you'll go far. In suspenders and a bra. In suspenders and a bra. 
Ron was just way over the line here. Yeah. I mean, there are certain things you, you just don't say. I don't remember how Hermione reacted, but I'm sure she was pissed. Yeah, like, as a seizure. Yes, she had the Cruciata seizure because right. it just sends her so over the edge. Snape is like trying to prepare them beforehand. I'm not using her as a punching bag. It's really the only thing that helps. I was so mad. I couldn't form an intelligent response. He just needs to die. I'm well, so upset with him. I think that was the intention. And he just goes so over the top. I almost want to get on to 33. I really like the effect. It's actually really similar to what Ron does in A Year Like Another. The thing that what he accuses Snape of, essentially, in A Year Like Another. I like the fact that they both recognize that there is something that is gone that Ronald Weasley kind of took away. And at one point, said there's something that was gone, I think it was innocence. But it was something where he recognizes the fact that because of what Ron said, there's comfort level between them that they don't have anymore. I really like that that was acknowledged. They weren't really thinking in that vein before. They're almost thrown there in a really uncomfortable setting by Ron. Do you think we'll ever be free? Hermione then asked suddenly, yes. and there was such longing in her voice that it pained Severus. Without a war waging around us, without all those secrets and the constant fear, do you think we'll ever be able to walk in the light again and shed all those masks and roles and pretenses? I don't know, Hermione. His answer was barely audible, a whisper, not more than a breeze. I don't know. Things are not as they should be. Hermione, the master spy persona isn't all she really is. And she's doing this because it's something that she feels she needs to do in this situation. And once she's gotten herself into it, it's keeping herself surviving and doing what she needs to do. She definitely doesn't like it. It's more survival than part of her. She does want to get back to just being able to live a semi-normal life. I like when Remus is talking about Draco. They've been trying to recruit all the Gryffindors, Ravenclaw, and Hufflepuff, and they never really looked at Slytherin for possible recruits. By the end of 33, this is where we get Harry's point of view again. Exactly, at the end. Which I really enjoy now. He wants to get to know her again. Hermione's actions have a greater impact on everybody around her, and not just on the Death Eaters, not just on the war, but on like her interactions with Harry and Harry's interactions with Draco and everybody's sort of interactions with each other. Sometimes when I read fic, I get caught up in the main characters. It's nice to sometimes remember that the way that those characters act impacts everybody around them. Snape takes Hermione to, what's it called? Tintagel. Tintagel. Tintagel? Is it Tintagel? I thought it rhymed with bagel. Somebody should just start talking about that. I've talked enough. Talking too much, too. Every time I podcast with Ryan, I feel like I never get to talk because Ryan dominates the whole thing with his monologues. And now I feel like I'm stepping into Ryan's shoes. What did y'all think of how Snape redacted decorated the order. I kind I of thought, it. yeah, the very kind of grand, a little bit hedonistic taste to it. I, I thought it, it was really funny. Really? Of all people to take fashion and vice from, they picked him to do the interior decorating. <laughs> really? <laughs> Martha Stewart is Snape. Who made is. that decision? <laughs> uh, I guess that's what happens when you become the spy master. It's hot fudge. <laughs> Hermione oh, blackmails crap out I of didn't him. like that. I, I loved it. it. <laughs> I didn't like it. Maybe I was just Oh, and, and Julie, I'm reading your notes, and I got the impression that she got a lot of it to read a skater. Julie, I uh, want your notes. I, I don't have them. Oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry, I like I the sp- first three words in the notes. <laughs> what the fuck? You should see my notes for chapter 17. That's my favorite. Mazel tov. I love that. <laughs> That's a chapter where she's like, I got married. Woo! Mazel tov! <laughs> 
I love that Fudge is sitting there, I will not be blackmailed by a mudblood! And I'm like, what do you think just happened? <laughs> well, I love that it's like, he said that, and then the Aurors just do the <gasps> thing, and he's like, hey, just sit that in front of the Aurors. That's not probably a good idea. You do the anti-oblivion potion or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's some smart thinking. I don't know, when I say that I didn't like this, it's more that it's not what I expected. I was expecting like a major conference, and all of a sudden she just blackmailed them. I was like, eh. That seems a little bit too easy. It was fun, and we needed fun at this point in the story. It was fun. I have to confess, it was nice to see Fudge squeal like that. And (laughs) it was good thinking, too, because right there, she just undermined Fudge's authority within the Aurors. Because even though she can't prove it, the accusation enough, the Aurors are going to remember both that and him trying to obliviate them. (laughs) That's the best. I love the end. Percy Weasley told me about his sorting system. He called it a brilliant approach to filing, I think. And the way his bedroom (laughs) is decorated? I read the article in Witch Weekly. I am a girl, after all, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that so much. So just in case you forgot. You were expecting this very elaborate system that how she figured this out and how she snuck in. And then it's like, I read Witch Weekly. That's just so brilliant. I really love this chapter because it's just fun and it shows her skill in a way you can need. And I'm not sure how much she's bluffing and how much she isn't. I feel like she isn't because she tells them about it later. And I have them for other people too. And they're all just like, well, I'm glad I'm on her side. It felt a little weird to me because at the beginning, she goes up, she gets the note from whatever and she can tell that it's fudge because it's folded a certain way and or something, (laughs) which which they learned about in Hogwarts history. I think she was just saying that to get Harry to read Hogwarts of history. I felt just like Harry staring at it going, huh? How did yeah. you get that from <laughs> like, what? what? <laughs> so, She's like, oh, well, she, she calls me by my last name, so it must be something important. And I'm like, hello. And oh, then it's Fudge and the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> It's like, see how the quarters turned down counterclockwise three times? <laughs> That's our signal for fudge. We had that worked out weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the point is... sort of left with yeah. Harry there. Just, well, Snape is like, this could be trouble. And she's going and she's like, what am I going to say? And she gets up there and she's totally a different person. No, but she says, don't worry, Harry. I have plans for this. Poor fudge won't know what hit him. So I know. And really man. If you're going to be playing this game and you need to have powerful people that you can persuade if necessary. Fudge is definitely, even you learned that after year five, he's not really your ally. And then you well, need I to have it, I just felt friend. like everybody in the room should have been a better actress or actor. They're on her side and she starts talking, everyone's mouth drops open. I guess I just didn't expect her to do that. Yeah, also, they're I know, not trying to despise. They're not quite as good at concealment and secrecy. But could the Aurors, could they not tell that everyone in the room is going, what? We need Yoda Draco to teach everyone better, apparently. Yes. JFF is Harry at the Spy. And Draco with Yoda. <laughs> I'm seeing Justin, JFF Justin, as like Harry at the Spy. I'm seeing his face <laughs> with a little Harry at the Spy hair and little notebook. There's a wizard rock band called Justin Finch Fletchley and the Sugar Quills. Yeah. And I'm seeing and I'm, the guy. And I'm, oh, God. Now imagining that image. Photo manip of Justin from JFF with Harry at the Spy. Well, Cody, you've got Photoshop. <laughs> make sure after May 11th that will happen. Like, yeah, after definitely week. make him sparkly. And then we'll we'll put it up on Facebook and tag him. Ryan will put that up on Potterfic Weekly if you make a band. <laughs> yeah, make a band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the funny Energy thing is, like, I want Justin episode. to see it. 
Yeah, I want I agree. To, if we're going to do it, Justin needs to see it in the fastest way for that is Facebook. Okay, what did so. y'all think about the whole stuffing the bra comment from Harry? I think it was they've been friends for so long and him trying to put one over on her and get her to react. I, I reacted like- because it was so out of character for him. I was like, really? Sorry, I was reading ahead. So Harry said it. He said she loves Snape. Oh, now she'll think about it and it'll get weird. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the beginning of 36 New Path, where Snape thinks about where he had really never questioned their interaction before. And now because of Ron, his mind is taking over and he's starting to think ways he hadn't thought before. I think it's really beautifully described how that's done. This innocence has been lost. It has to happen because of where the story ends up going. It's so sad because he thinks that even just by unconsciously thinking about her this way, he's somehow hurting her or somehow betraying her. I can see it. I understand why he feels like he's hurting her by thinking about her in this way when she looks at him as the one man in her life who doesn't do that. I, the reader, as opposed to to somebody deeply involved in the world itself. I, the slightly removed from the story audience member, am going, oh, good. It's about damn time. It's bad and it's good at the same time. That level of innocence has really been lost. But at the same time, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I can understand why he's guilty about it, but I think it's good because of this. It now allows them to move on and to take the next step and to let their relationship go in the direction that it needs to go. I I just wrote, I'm going to kill Ron. He just did so much damage that day. And I really hope those two can repair it. The future of the war depends right now on Hermione's relationship. Having that ability to let go, it depends on her relationship with Snape, and Ron just went and fucked it up. In both cases, he ends up having the exact opposite of his intentions. Some of the intentions are to push them farther apart. And I like how Hermione enlists Draco to teach Harry not to be so obvious all the time. Draco was the right person to do it because, as he'll point out, this sort of thing is just ingrained in him. It's He's just been taught it from day one until anybody is going to be able to do it. It's him. I like them playing the order and couldn't possibly be a woman. I know. I love that. She has such a good time with this. Both of them. I keep wondering what they're talking to each other about while she's doing In their head. Yeah. (laughs) And they don't show it, but you know they are. Yeah, yeah, you totally do. They're probably making fun of each other. Oh, you can't possibly be a woman. And Sam would be like, damn straight. To her. Like, seriously, the best you can come up with? Come on. (laughs) She's such a silly little mudblood. From how she's acting in there, I'm like, really? Why did they let her in this order with all these murderers and tough guys? And she's like, look, there's books and I'm so innocent and stupid. Why am I even here? Just to take notes. The secretary. Yeah, like they let her into the order because they needed a secretary? Really? <laughs> Secretaries are very important. It's Administrative Professionals Day because we can't call it Secretary's Day anymore. Are you serious? serious? Yeah, we aren't allowed to call it Secretary's Day anymore because my mom got flowers and stuff for people. And you can't call it Secretary's Day anymore. It's now Administrative Professionals Day. What? Wow. That's stupid because you're a secretary. That's what they are. Now. Apparently, secretary is now a degrading term. I have no idea why. Because <laughs> someone said it was. I hate political Sometime correctness. Pe- sometimes people are just <laughs> stupid. I think that's hilarious that you can't use the term secretary. In the town where I live, it is illegal to say the N-word, but the law doesn't specify which N-word. <laughs> 
Oh, it just says N-word? It just says, it it says, says the N-word. N-word. The city where I live starts with the letter N. <laughs> That's really funny that they didn't specify the word to not be able to say. No, I guess they just assumed that we all know what it means. Obviously, that term is horrible, but I can't imagine that a town would censor a vocabulary word. Like, that's incredible to me. Right. Well, that is yeah, well, since no... we live in America. Well, also, it's, it's not really enforced. Like, there is absolutely no possible way to enforce it. Even if you could enforce it, I don't think it's actually punishable. I think there's just a law that says, don't say this word. There's such a weird law everywhere. There's a law saying you can't take a bath with a giraffe. Are you serious? In my my home city, you can't take a lion to the beast. In Alaska, you cannot push a live moose out of a moving airplane. That's my absolute favorite. (laughs) No. Yeah, you cannot push push a live moose out of a moving airplane in Alaska. Also, where I live, you are not allowed to beat a rug or drug it in the public square on a Sunday. We're not allowed to have sororities in Pennsylvania because if over 16 women live in a house together, it constitutes a brothel. So wait, what is that? You cannot push a moose out of a... A live moose out of a moving airplane. Or a pregnant moose. Now I gotta look. Jen, in your home state, it is illegal to sell one's eyes. Ew! Well, Umbridge would have a problem. The only one of these dumb laws that actually like affects me on a daily basis is that in Connecticut, it is illegal to purchase alcohol after 9 p.m. or on a Sunday. Well, you can't do it here after midnight or on a Sunday. Okay, I have some great ones from Pennsylvania. It's illegal to sleep on top of a refrigerator outdoors. Um, <laughs> That's nice. A person is not eligible to become governor if he or she has participated in a duel. Um, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Oh, is there Wait, <laughs> Just send uh, me the Julia. link to what you're reading, please. Okay. Send a link. Um, Julia, this may be a problem for you. Ministers uh. are forbidden from performing marriages when either the bride or groom is drunk. Uh, <laughs> wait, what? Why is that a problem for me? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> well, you, just, you actually can't sell cars on Sunday because in Pennsylvania, it's illegal to form a legal contract on Sundays. At a wake, um, mourners oh. may not eat no more than three sandwiches. <laughs> There you go. It is considered it is considered an offense to push a live moose out of a moving airplane. <laughs> dynamite is not to be used to catch fish. Bullets may not be used as currency. There is a ban on men, and I quote, becoming aroused in public. Who checks? <laughs> How do you possibly enforce that one? I have no idea. It's a considered an offense to get a tattoo. My husband wants to get one. Oops. Voldemort oh, yeah. is totally overusing the royal we. We shall let you do this, and we shall. I'm like, there's no one with you. You are an I. You, you know what? He is in pieces, though, so it kind of makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Even though it's not making Don't sense for this pick. Royal we. Oh my gosh, he's a villain who can actually have a legitimate youth for the royal we. We found <gasps> it. Oh my gosh. That's exciting. That's so funny. It's something okay. Kennedy doesn't use it. But True. anyway, I have, they're starting to realize in chapter 37 that McNair is a problem. And they realize they're that. They're just uh, starting to realize it. <laughs> yeah, they're just starting to realize that McNair could potentially be an issue. Hermione can't be the one to kill him because magical signatures and all that thing in Voldemort will know immediately. So Severus decides, hmm, maybe it's time for me to return to the field. But this is another thing that really bugged me about these chapters. There were a lot of conversations that were going on in public. And all I'm sitting there doing is, you are in public, anybody can hear you for the love of God get a room or something <laughs> the idea of him being subconsciously repulsed by what she's doing because you kill someone so easily I thought that was a good way to describe Harry's character that he didn't just accept that Harry and Snape are talking we almost didn't talk about that oh my god so Harry said Hermione loves Snape 
And now Hermione is going to think about it and it's going to get weird. Well, it's yeah, not gonna Hermione. Get weird. It's going to get romantic. It's going to get romantic. Basically, what's happening to Hermione now, or what's going to happen to her now, is what happened to Snape at the end of the last chapter only. Exactly. No, that's exactly what's going to happen. Harry, actually, the first one to say, you don't have to justify yourself. You don't have to say a thing. I can accept it. I can accept it well enough. And then him just sort of protecting her. And I really like Harry taking that role. He is very good as a strong character. And even though she's so much maternal, figure. I think he also definitely had the capacity to be a very strong when he needs to be. We're just going to take that next step and move to the next level and possibly lose a little bit of that innocence. Um, I almost called it childlike innocence, which I'm hesitant to do, but yeah. we're just going to lose that. But I agree that. with that, though, to a certain extent. It's not innocence is in virtue. The world is not this easy, safe place with no choices. There are hard decisions that have to be made, and sometimes you have to do things for the better of the good in the world. On one point, it's incredibly mature and incredibly dark. At some point, it's just you have this childlike innocence where they have the shared experiences and they can relate to each other. And there's just this comfort and this relaxed atmosphere. And it's very childlike trust almost between them because they know they've experienced the same things. They're both thinking by themselves, oh my god, I think I like the other one. <gasps> oh no, oh no. And that, of course, leads to angst, which leads to um, good things and happiness. But we cannot talk about that tonight because yes, it's late because, and, I and we are tired. And we all have to get up in the morning, and Jen has a baby and stuff. So Jen needs to go care for her child, and was very, very nice to talk to Jen again, because I'm sure her life is very busy right now. Oh, I just really enjoyed podcasting. I've, I've really missed it. I didn't realize how much I missed it until I started doing it again. We missed well, you, and we're so glad you're here. Oh, I missed y'all, Aww. too. I'm so glad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You know, Cody just wrote, in Ohio, it's illegal to get a fish drunk. <laughs> in Kansas, rabbits may not be shot for motorboats. <laughs> Damn it! You know what I was going to do the next time I went to Kansas? I was going to bring a lake, because they don't have any of those there. I was going to bring, oh, except for that one that we toiveled the things in, Cody. Yeah. I was going to bring a lake <laughs> in a motorboat, and then I was going to shoot rabbits from it. Damn it. People just ruined my plans. you going to be 18 to play pinball in South Carolina? Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're going to end it, so we will just all say goodnight. Yeah. Right, good night. Good night. Next week, we're going to be back, right? And we're doing what chapters 38 through... To 55, I think. 55, 56, something like that. And there may be enough chapters where we won't be able to do chapter by chapter. We may just have to do overview. Right. So I think it's the plot definitely starts picking up the end here. Yeah. And also, maybe we won't talk about dumb laws. Perhaps. But you never know. It's so much fun. You never know. There is never a bad time. Potter Fig Weekly, where we absolutely cannot stand (laughs) to Hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Bye. This is Beyondcast. Hello. Hello. Can anyone hear me? <sighs> I am going to change microphones and then change them again. This is Beyondcast coming to you from inside a telephone booth. That's right. How many peons can we fit into a telephone booth? Ow! Sorry, I just got shocked. I think I heard that. Did you get shocked in your ear? Yes! I heard zzzz. It was like, what the heck was that? Oh, dear. <sighs>
I'm I invite you on the podcast and you get struck by lightning. My first Yeah, well. Congratulations. You're officially there. Congratulations, you've just made the blooper reel. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I just love this part. are coming. Welcome to Peoncast, everyone. I'm Scott. I'm Kelly. I'm Trisha, known as Miss Lupin. And our guest peon today is Raceiv. Hi. Sitting in for Cody. <laughs> and I'm Sue. Am I sitting in for anybody? You are. You're sitting you are, in for yeah, Kayla. We had a couple that couldn't make it. One had to work and one had a computer that didn't work. So well, we're covering the last half of A Different Fate by Lord Hellebore. And this is a Petunia Remus Drabble fic. We covered half of it, chapters 1 through 32 last time. And we're going to cover 33 through 65. Now remember that these are Drabbles. They are 100 word chapters. So they're not overly long. And they're rather pithy, so... I like them. I was really surprised. Yeah, I thought they were really good, too. It just gives you enough information you can probably play with in your mind later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They're in order in the universe, but they're all sort of moments as things happen, so... There's all sorts of gaps in between that you get to figure out for yourself. Well, yeah, when we jump from five years old to eight years old for Harry, that's a big jump. It kind of reminds me of how I write in my diary, with big old gaps in between. They're like snapshots. You just get a little a little snapshot, a little picture here and there. And they're all in order, but there's spaces in between them. Last time we covered, they were just getting ready to move because Harry was getting ready to turn 11. And they were told that Dumbledore was going to come and take him to the school and that he was going to be the chosen one, that they should probably get out because he wasn't ready for that. So they are getting ready in this chapter. He'll, he'll never be ready for that. No. Right. Yeah, I guess in case you, no, I, for I some reason, weren't that. listening last week, which would be odd, but the premise behind this series is that getting hit with the killing curse when he was one severely messed Harry up. So he's now developmentally delayed, and Petunia has to care for him that way. And she was on her own with just Dudley and Harry, because Vernon couldn't deal with the whole thing and has since basically invited Remus into her lives through some events that happened in the first half of the series. You know, I was thinking about this after we got off the, the phone last time. The prophecy says that Dumbledore, or that Dumbledore, ha ha, that Voldemort <laughs> marks Harry as his equal. Mm-hmm. And if he's marked him as his equal, what kind of condition is Voldemort in? Yeah, really. That's true. That does actually come up in, I think, the third or fourth one this week. At least one possible explanation, anyway. It's no guarantee that they're right, but... Well, today we're talking about they're getting ready to move from Great Britain to... Canada! Canada. They're mm. going to Canada! They're going to go see Scott! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice place. But the, the problem with this one, Petunia has not told the boys... That they're leaving, and mm-hmm. it's not going to until the day they move, because she does. she's afraid of what Dudley will do. 
Mm-hmm. Because she's basically taking Dudley away from his father and all of his friends and mm-hmm. his home. I think she's more worried about what this is going to do to Dudley than what it's going to do to Harry. Because this right. is good for Harry. Right. Right. I mean, it's going to be hard, but it's good for him. Mm-hmm. In so many ways, I can't blame her for doing that. I mean, because, I mean, especially kids dead. I mean, what? He's, what, 10? Almost 11? Yeah, he's 10. They can't keep secrets, really. No. And if mm-hmm. he's going to get mad and stuff like that, he's going to tell his father. So, in so many ways, I know, just dealing with a six-year-old myself, like, if I tell him we're going to go to Kennywood, which is an amusement park around here, he's going to pound me about it for a week and a half if I tell him ahead of time. If I tell him, like, the night before we're going to go to Kennywood, then I can handle going, are we going to Kennywood? Are we going to go to Kennywood? But this is another extreme. Instead of something being really fun, this is going to be very upsetting. And traumatic. Well, it's, it's a big change. They're going into hiding, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to leave traces. Because if, if right. she tells Harry and Dudley, there's nothing to say they wouldn't tell other people. Negate the point of going into hiding. And Harry being as challenged as he is, he's probably end up telling someone about it, but not even think two things about it. Yeah, either of them could say something and not think mm-hmm. anything about it. Sure. Another little interesting point in this chapter is that Remus apparates over to get a job and get them enrolled in school and basically ends up bypassing immigration. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> immigration? What immigration? We don't need no seeking immigration. <laughs> it's one of the most tidbits that they let you think about. It's like, how could they do that? I've been here so, forever. So we, it's like, so we go Remus knows people in very low places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we go on to the next one, and Dudley wakes up, and they're in a different house because they've transported the boys. You think they while they them? were asleep? They were asleep. Yeah, I think they were just asleep. I'm sorry, you would. I mean, you would think you could feel. I mean, apparitions would feel know. like you're in a tube. I don't know, but if you ever, you should know, Mom. <laughs> you ever picked up a three-year-old that you've moved from a bed to a car to the bed and undressed him without him even waking up? Touche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Dudley basically flips out because he wakes up oh, in a strange yeah. house. And you can't blame him for that. Petunia mm-hmm. faints. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And that's where Rita finds her. Poor Remus. On the floor. Yeah. Poor Petunia. And she put herself out there and yeah. Dudley eats her. <laughs> well, and mm-hmm. on the next one, they've been there for two months. She's lost. Yeah. She's really trying to figure out what's going on with Dudley. Dudley now hates Harry. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. this was Harry's fault. Yeah. No, that's a, I think that's a typical child reaction. I think yes. I like how she she does get the child's reaction out of it, because it is. Yeah, like, because what Petunia told him was, we came here because we need to, and it's for Harry, and um, it'll be good for him. Yeah. This author has a style of really delivering a punch at the last couple of lines in each one. Yes. Chapter 33, the first one here, she was worried that leaving so abruptly like this would make Dudley hate her. And now in 35, she kind of wishes he did. because Yeah, hate her, not hate Harry. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she can handle it. He, Harry, Harry can't. can't. Harry can't. Harry doesn't cannot. really know anything that's going on. And then when we... He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand why. Like him. Yeah, and you see that in the next chapter. Dudley hates everything about the place, and, and he, when Harry comes into the room or whatever, he won't play with him or talk to him. He throws him out of his bedroom, and when people aren't looking, he even he will push or punch him. Yeah, but it doesn't make him feel any better. 
I'm glad make, they yeah, kept that line in. Very realistic and quite sympathetic portrayals of both Dudley and Petunia, which is unusual in Harry Potter fic generally because we don't tend to like them as characters, but right, this right. version of them is really yeah, you feel for both of them good characters. Oh, yeah. Well, and you look at it, Petunia's having a hard time, too. I mean, she just completely uprooted the family and moved to a different continent. She's engaged to somebody who has to basically be locked in a room once a month mm-hmm. for a night. And then she's gone through that. I mean, can you imagine the first month of living like that and having to deal with the transformation of a werewolf in the middle of all of it? I mean, just uh-huh. wow. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All it says in the chapter is it was a bit awkward. <laughs> that's all it says. It's called an understatement. It's a bit awkward. <laughs> but maybe we can get used to it. Yeah. Well, you know, she said earlier that she didn't care, and it was a lie then, but she would make sure that it wasn't a lie. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And this trouble with Dudley has at least contributed care. anyway to make Harry regress, basically. Yeah. Because they had been getting him out of diapers or nappies, as it says, which he'd been wearing all his life up to this point. Now he has to wear them all the time again. And, yeah, his speech has begun to regress. He's not... He wakes up crying most of the nights. And yeah, he's, just, he's regressing. At the end of the chapter, Harry offers Dudley a picture, which is stick figures of them, holy hands, and Dudley rips it apart, just leaves the room. Yeah, because he doesn't want to stay to see Harry cry. Yeah, he doesn't stay to see Harry cry. I mean, he's doing it because he's angry, but he knows, in some ways, he knows what his actions is doing to him. Yes, Mm -hmm. he is aware of what it's doing to Harry. The next one is um, Dudley's made his first friend that he's found here. Apparently, he's invited him over before, but hadn't told them about Harry. And this friend of his had made it quite clear he didn't like Harry, and is now refusing to come over unless Harry's not there. And he's arranged to invite him over the day Harry's supposed to go to this therapist, so he won't be there, and that should be fine. But it says at the end, he should feel happy, but finds for some unknown reason he isn't. So it's beginning to penetrate. This isn't working for him. Yeah. Right. And then Brian starts making faces and mean comments at him. And uh, and then it comes up most of all in the next one, which is... The turning point. That the therapist is sick, and so Harry is home, and Dudley shouldn't care, but he wishes that he'd stop. And then it just keeps going until finally Dudley he just, just snaps. Says, at Brian. At Brian. Brian yeah. Sick. Harry's not stupid, he snaps. You are. Sought off. I don't want you to be my friend. And this is, as the chapter calls it, the turning point. That was one of those, like, fist-pumping, like, yes moments. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yes. <laughs> I was doing a happy dance at work. I was like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Luckily enough, I got all through this in my lunch hour. <laughs> so now Brian leaves. Dudley's not sad to see him go, but Harry won't have anything to do with him. No. Mm-hmm. He wants it back the way it was, but he almost forgot how long it's been that he's been refusing to have anything to do with Harry, and he right. tries to go and give him a hug, and Harry flinches. He realizes how much he's actually affected him doing this. He ends up just leaving, but he feels like crying, because he's finally realized what it is he's done. Yeah, I think in so many ways he probably doesn't even realize how much of an influence he does have over Harry's life. Mm-hmm. And so ways, he is the big brother. Yeah. Right. When we go into the next one here, it's another of the what have I done kind of thing. Harry comes in and 
consoles Dudley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does end up bursting into tears right. because he realizes he's supposed to be the big brother. He's supposed to be the one protecting him from people, and then he's been one of the people being mean to him. Right. So he bursts out in tears, and Harry comes in and tells him to not to cry and climbs in bed with him. Yeah, wraps his arms around him. And another one of the last line things, it says, he cries more instead, but it doesn't last long. Because it's gone to happy tears instead. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, so we go on to the next. This is when I want to hit Brian. Yeah. So does Dudley. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, let me at him. Because they're being typical idiot 11-year-old boys and cheering at him for loving a retard. Dudley has to keep his self-control, which is a big difference from canon Dudley. Yes. He- mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it because he knows it would get him into trouble make mom sad. Yeah. She has worried enough lately. I'm like, yeah. And see, that's so remarkable. I mean, yes, we have a remarkable because here we had Dudley thinking of somebody besides himself, but now he's even thinking of somebody besides Harry. You know, it's it's mom now. He's growing up really fast. Yeah, he is. And I like how he tries not to listen and instead thinks of Harry. Harry who comes to his bed every night now, who clings to him like he were scared to lose him again, who drools on his pajamas and makes his sheets smell like nappies. Dudley loves a retard. Yeah, so what? And that's... You're getting teary again? (laughs) (laughs) There's just so many chapters that I'm just smiling. Internal monologues like that. Mm -hmm. Fit the characters very well. Oh, here we have... This was kind of major. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Take it away, Scott. Well, it starts out just sort of an ordinary chapter, and this one follows Petunia after we've had a few with Dudley there. And she's sort of pottering around the house. Uh Pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't actually, but that works. And there's a side little reveal, because she glances at the wedding photos on the wall, that she and Remus have gotten married now. And the doorbell rings, and she opens the door, and Severus Snape is standing on the doorstep. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. It's a bit of a shock. <laughs> it's almost yeah. interesting that he's the one who ends up getting them. sent. Not really, because he's got a lot of context that might be the same as Remus. Mm-hmm. You know, as the werewolves. For one. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense, because Dumbledore does sort of often assign him to these sorts of things. And at least in fanon, anyway, Dumbledore often seems to send Snape off to do stuff. Yeah, he does. Being the spy, he would be one who'd be good for tracking people down kind of thing. Hagrid doesn't work would. so well. <laughs> I was going to say, Hagrid wouldn't be good. <laughs> Can you imagine Hagrid trying to get to Canada? Yikes. Yeah, just him going through customs would be an interesting... Yeah, because he'd have something <laughs> be in his pocket. Just to hear. I'm big bone. He'd probably take the motorbike. Yeah, that's true. He probably wouldn't give up on his task, either. Yeah. Uh, I just have this great vision of him. Take a month to go through all his pockets. Yeah. And he'd have, you know, biting things and and a dragon egg and, you know, Fluffy's flute and just, oh, yeah. He'll probably go to Hawaii and then try to come out with an apple, something like that for customs. This is happening the same year as all the Sorcerer's Stone stuff. So if that is going on the same way, regardless of Harry not being there, 
Snape only has to set off his little potion bottles and leave them there with the little riddle. And Hagrid has to take care of a giant three-headed dog. This is still very early in the school year, though. I think Dudley met Brian right before school started. Because you're talking about coming over to the house during the day, during the week. Therapists usually don't work on weekends, things like that. Mm, That's true. And then you have Brian teasing Dudley at school. So I'm thinking that this is very near the beginning of the school year. Probably still in September. Yes. Which means that we still have... Actually, it is. Because... Doesn't Severus say that he's been looking for someone for months? It's taken it, it, months. It had taken months, yeah. But he finally found a trace. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't figure out why they would have left. And Mrs. Jake, who was the one who warned them to leave in the first place, is refusing to Ella. tell them anything. Yeah. Which should and be the first clue. Oh, then. Arabella. I'm like, why didn't you do something beforehand? And real canon. Who, Arabella? Like, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Because Dumbledore there. told her not to. Yeah, that's true. There was less reason in canon because they figure Harry can take care of himself sort of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's also... Not, and he's not as obviously in need of help. Right. But anyway, because they know nothing, Severus is really rather shocked at this whole thing. Because no one had ever even considered that something would have happened to Harry. They expect right. him to be just a normal little boy, and in Snape's case, expects him to be an arrogant prig, because James was. But, huh. but yeah. that's not what he finds. Yeah. No. no. I want to know what this is. Well, yeah, I can understand. Never mind. My thought process just resolved itself. I love when that happens. They d- destroy it like he did ten years ago. Well, the destruction ten years ago was him telling Voldemort what the prophecy was. Yeah. Or right, what yes. he heard of the prophecy. Right. Actually, I had that kind of same sort of thing, because when I read it earlier, I didn't catch that, but just now when I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, that's it. Yeah. That was, like I said, the, it went <laughs> I didn't even get to the point of bringing it up because I figured it out right before that. <laughs> Good visual there, too, because it has them all standing in the kitchen, basically surrounding mm-hmm. Harry, looking at him, and yeah. sort yeah. of frozen in place and waiting for waiting, him to do something. That waiting will... for him to do something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then so we find we, out what? We find out in the next one. They're all waiting. It's that escape. Hold your breath. The clock. Clicking loudly. And the description here I really liked. Harry Potter, the child who looks like James Potter, but smaller, frailer. The child with Lily's eyes. The child because of whom Lily is gone forever. The child Lily loved enough to die for. The child who could have been his, if only. Yeah. And I love the dot, dot, dot. So, and then he makes a decision, and he goes to the kitchen doorway, and he turns and says, I never found you, and leaves. That's why I love Snape. You know, oh, I'm so excited. I love when he's like redeemed. You can just see him doing that because this whole thing has been. She opens the door and says his name, and yeah, and they're in silence for what seems like half an hour or whatever. Well, he's actually spoken to him. He's spoken to Harry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. They're just yeah. waiting for you the know. verdict, yeah. right? You're waiting for the shoe to drop, and it mm-hmm. was a. I never found you. Yeah. Oh, Scott, you've got to do it. Yeah. Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. All he does is say the one sentence. I never found you. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I love you, Scott. Okay, I just turned into a fangirl. And it's this next chapter after that that I was talking about earlier. Snape decides, even though Harry's the one with the mark, Neville must be the child in the prophecy. Marked as equal simply by being functional, it says. 
Because Harry, as he is, is nothing like the equal to Voldemort. But again, I have to think, did Voldemort, I mean, how did this affect him? He was bodiless for ten years right. because of this. Well, wasn't he kind of like um, at least possessing like animals or something like that? You know, they talked about that. I'm not sure if that was actually part of canon. He was vapor mort more than anything, I think. Mentions like he was possessing the small creatures like snakes, and but they mm-hmm. wouldn't last long. So now Severus is back at Hogwarts. I really think that Snape found them and didn't find them in August. Mm -hmm. I I really want to say that it was in August because I think he would have gone back to Dumbledore and said, I didn't find them. Yeah. But now we go with plan B. And plan B is Neville. Yes. And he finds himself becoming Neville's mentor. Everybody uh, should have someone to rely on. And mm -hmm. it's just very strange that it would be Snape. (laughs) It just seems like, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, it took him a long time. He had to stand there looking uncomfortable first. But it sounds good. And he risks a smile. Like, yay! <laughs> Makes you wonder if Snape risks a smile back. <laughs> Probably not. Maybe not quite yet. Hopefully later. <laughs> his face would fall off when he tried. <laughs> it would freeze, break, and break off. So mm-hmm. the next she said in the comment that um, she, he, I don't know, has plot bunnies for actually writing that little spinoff of Snape and Neville going through this and defeating Voldemort and all that. That would be neat. Mm-hmm. That would be neat. I, I think I would like to see that. Yeah, it would be fun to read, I think, because, yeah, Snape and Neville is not a pairing you would necessarily wow. think of. No. <laughs> but you wouldn't have thought of Petunia Remus either. No. You know what? This is no. not the first Petunia Remus one that I've read. Right. This is not the first Petunia Remus one that I've read either. On uh, you okay? 48, then we yeah, I'm move fine. back I'm fine. to Harry and Petunia. And it's Harry starting to realize that he is different from most people, and it's a hard realization for him. Mm-hmm. Um, was, uh, we've also skipped ahead two years. Yeah, he's 13 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And he's realizing that he can't read and write like Dudley can or like his mom or Remus can. He can't tie his shoes alone like Dudley can. He doesn't need nappies at night. No, no, Dudley doesn't need nappies at night. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's pretty good. And Harry's just wearing nappies at night now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Harry does apparently go to school with a number of other people who have similar problems. But he realizes that most people don't. And a lot of them give him funny looks or say different things and says he doesn't understand everything that they say to him, but he knows the meaning of stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another one of those. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah. So, ugh. Yeah. Kids can be so mean. They really can. Even adults. Well, and if you go to the next one, you're hearing about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dudley can't sleep. Tonight, Harry asked him some questions, and he didn't have the answers. He's angry that Harry should have to ask them. But now that it's happened, he'll have to talk to their parents, and he's got to figure out how to explain stupid. That's a nice touch, by the way. Petunia and Remus are considered their parents now. And I like the end of this, too. You're not stupid. They are. So, so much. I mean, the family's challenge is so... Their perception of life is so innocent and so pure. It's... It's just amazing, and it's not a stupidity. It's just the innocence of it, mm-hmm. and it's not a stupid thing. And it's just wow. And I just like that they are so so much. Yeah. Well, the author has a sister, I believe, 
has some mental challenges, and so a lot of the stories will bring that in. So Petunia's talking to Harry about the word stupid, mm-hmm. and Harry doesn't understand. Petunia's <laughs> talking to him and trying to explain about, you know, that he's not stupid, that he can't do some things that others can, but that it's called disabled and that it's nothing bad. And he wants to know why people say that. And she says, because they don't like people being different. Maybe they're scared. And he says, but my friends at school are different from me, and I'm not scared of them. And sighing, she pulls up the bed covers, and she says, that makes you smarter than most others. And, you know, that really is true, that a lot of the name-calling, a lot of the stuff is because people are scared. And if they can get past that, or if they, like Trisha was just saying, the innocence that he has in seeing this, he doesn't understand because he's not afraid of people that are different. So why are people afraid of him because he's different? It doesn't make sense to him. It's maturity too, because we're looking at this from an adult point of view and an adult point of view, you know, you can say, okay, I have to deal with people who are in a wheelchair or I have to deal with somebody who's deaf and I can do that. But if you get a child, you get a 10 year old, a 12 year old, a 14 year old, they're going to be like, I don't want to be around you because I don't know how to relate to you. Mm-hmm. If kids grow up around deaf people, say, or anything else like that, they'll know what to do with it. But most kids yeah. just don't have the experience. They don't know how to relate to other people, that they haven't seen that sort of thing before. Yeah. Chapter 51 is Harry thinking about the three new words that he's learned, and he hates them. The first is normal, which is pretty much everyone that he knows, you know, Dudley and his mom. Second is disabled. It's him and his friends from school. It means not being able to talk or drooling and needing nappies like himself. And then there's the third word that people use instead of disabled. I guess it's more like the mean type people. It's freak. And that word is really reminiscent of Vernon, which I bet if he stayed in, he'd probably do a lot of harm to Harry. And I'm really glad that he left in the beginning of this Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting to actually go where this is off topic. I got to see Equus this year on Broadway. And very, yes, it was, it was very cool. And near the beginning of the, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> not talk about that. That's the end of the show. Near the beginning of the play, the doctor uses the word freak in referencing Alan. And it just made me almost laugh because here was somebody who didn't want to use the word freak when he was talking about this other person. And these two same people in another role, <laughs> one of them was calling the second one a freak. It was the exact opposite. It was like, wow. It just, it was, it made me laugh. But it was that word, the word freak. So that was my uh, tangent. Pretty easy. Hey, no one's had exploding plumbing, so that works. But it is a connection back to canon because that's what Harry found himself being called all the time. Right. Yeah, didn't Petunia even say that her sister was a freak? Yes, in the first book. And now here it comes for a completely different reason because no one knows except for Petunia and Remus that he's magical at all. So. You know, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that, too. What do they do with children who are developmentally disabled or have conditions like didn't they put, children do? Didn't they want to put Ariana into St. Mongo's and into a special Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would they have done that to Harry? 
I mean, you have to think about this because here is a child who is magical and he has temper tantrums and he has bad days. Does he do accidental magic? Yeah, well, I'm I mean, sure he does. You know, it, you never see it. No. Or Remus is able to control it or something. I don't think so that because Remus up, didn't meet him until he was six. I wonder, judging by how incredibly terrified he was seeing Remus's wand for the first time, if he might be just suppressing that. Not too I, much have, you, I don't think you can do that with wandless accidental magic. This is one of those stories that make you think, what if? Oh, yeah. And, and that was one of my what ifs. Because she wants to tell the story about Harry having basically a muggle disease from magical cause. This right. is a muggle condition, as far as Petunia knows, and he's treated the way that anyone with that sort of problem would be treated. He has the school he goes to, and a couple of chapters on here, he does finally get a therapist. Well, he had a speech therapist earlier, but that's a different sort of thing. It says Petunia's been reluctant to bring psychiatrists into it because she doesn't have good experiences with that. So, well, she finds in this chapter, in 52, that Harry has been doing very well and has gotten smarter than most of the people had thought he would. But the problem with that is he's more aware as well, and he's stopped wanting to go out because people there will laugh at him, and he doesn't want to feel that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She doesn't want to be wishing this, but she wonders whether if he'd actually been more impaired enough so that he, he wouldn't, wouldn't realize it. notice mm -hmm. whether that would be better. That's got to be hard. That is so hard. You know, it's along the same lines as somebody who's on life support. You know, how long do we keep them on life support? Pretty much anybody who's anybody. There's some point in their life they have difficult in one thing or another. And so in some ways, they're somewhat disabled. It's, it goes from one extreme to another. But you know that you're different from other people. And it's, and it's, it's depending on how you choose to deal with it. With Harry, he's able to notice that he is different. But he doesn't understand that he really can't deal with it. At least not at this age. He doesn't mm -hmm. have the skills that he needs. And that sort of builds up with him. This is something new in Chapter 53 that I don't think they'd mentioned happening before, but they find him starting to almost have seizures. Oh, well, I, I don't think it's so much of a seizure. I think it's this is a... This is the only way is, he can think to respond. Can, well, you have to look at it from the viewpoint of control. This is Harry. He can't control what's going on around him. Mm -hmm. So he's going to control himself. Yeah, I mean, it's, I really it's, he's so overwhelmed, and he doesn't know how to control his emotions and stuff like that. And he needs to express it, but he doesn't know how to express it properly because he's not mentally functional to do that. And he knows it, and it frustrates him even more. And like anything, he just sits there, and he'll cry, scream, and hit himself. Mm -hmm. He's trying to hit himself until maybe you're trying to get his brain to work. He's thinking, oh, an accident made this happen to me. I'm going to try to hit my brain enough so it might put things back together again. Well, I think I, he's... I don't know if it's... Maybe not that extreme, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's striking and, out. Um, and the other bit with this is the first time it comes up, Dudley is the only one in the house mm -hmm. because both right. Petunia and Remus are out and Dudley finds himself at a loss, basically. He doesn't know what to do either. So he ends up basically just sitting there holding it until he calms down cries himself out. Then Remus discovers them on the floor when he finally gets home. This is sort of the lowest point for them in the story, I guess. Yes, because the next chapter is hope. Petunia has found a psychologist for okay. Harry. Yeah, 
inviting the psychologist, I mean, would that psychologist have to know to deal with the magical world? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. But mm-hmm. who knows what they, you know, like you, we were talking about earlier with the accidental magic. Raper, maybe a squid. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Through this whole story, they've been treating everything, uh, ignoring Harry's magic, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, so they found someone who's gentle and soft-spoken, and she earns Harry's trust and says that she can't work miracles. After six months, he still hits himself when he's upset, but he's less restless now, and he'll play in the garden again, and sometimes he lets them take him to the park. Hope comes in baby steps, but it comes nonetheless. This next one, it's from Harry's point of view, and he's talking about what he likes about the doctor. She's nice and pretty, and he feels better since he goes to her. And they kind of go into what he's been doing as part of the therapy. He draws pictures or plays games. Sometimes they talk. I guess she finally breaks through with a way to tell him that being disabled wasn't his fault. It was something that happened to him. And he's Mm -hmm. able to really believe it. And somehow that makes all the difference. So I guess that kind of explains why he's... He blamed himself. I guess that's probably what it was. Maybe that's why he was hitting. Yeah, uh, it's a fairly common thing to see children that have difficulties hit themselves like that. I see it a lot in my classrooms. It's just kind of, like Kelly said, it's a control thing, but it, it's they're striking out, and they don't have anyone around them to strike out against, so they strike out against themselves. Mm-hmm, right. Now, this is an interesting chapter, 56 in that it seems to be the first time Remus has actually brought up that being a werewolf is not an ordinary thing for wizards. And this is where I'm thinking that Dr. Rayburn knows about about magic, because he does sort of look over her shoulder and smile at her. So it sounds like she's made the suggestion that he should say that specifically. He told her in her presence. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Possibly she's a witch psychologist. I, I'm yeah. still leaning toward the squib. Squib sounds better. Yeah. Less contact with the rest of the world. They're supposed to still be in hiding. But yes, this is a very good moment for them because yeah. Harry realizes that Remus does understand what it's like to be on the outside, to have people stare at you and whisper and point and not want to play with you and all that sort of thing. He isn't alone anymore. And it's a great moment because... He's also realizing that it's happening to a grown-up. You know, they stare and say mean yeah. things, even though Remus is a grown-up. And that's a really good point for him to be learning, too. In our next chapter, and we get to switch back to, to Dudley. <laughs> we haven't seen Dudley in a while. No, we oh, haven't. Yeah. And Dudley has his first crush. <gasps> oh. <laughs> so Dudley's got a crush. <laughs> and he really wants but to invite her like home. It. But... But, he's just, but what if she's know. like everybody else? <laughs> yeah. And if she is a prejudiced person, he's decided he can't be friends with her anymore, which he really doesn't want to find out just in case, but he is on Harry's side anyway. I love having last... a crush. Yeah, <laughs> having a crush for the first time sucks, he decides. The last line is mm-hmm. so poignant. I love that. And I think I get, I'm all excited always just to read the last line. When I get to the next chapter, I want to read the last line first. The next one, Jenna approaches Dudley right, and asks him if she wants to come over to her place. Do you want but. to try that line? Oh, my. It took me three times to read that. Do you want to come over to my place on Saturday? My, my brother is disabled, and if you laugh, I'll never want to talk to you again. Can you say that one more time? And then he realizes that yeah. he's not alone in this either. Yeah. And, and they I have something in common, too. 
Andy's got a crush on her, which is even better. <laughs> she obviously has one on him, too. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the last line in this one is, life is good. Life is good. So and that's the starting. measure of how different it is, is that we're all glad Dudley's having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the next chapter, the Wizarding World has reared its ugly head again. Again. And here is Great Britain's Dark Lord Strikes Again. Boy hero scarcely escapes with life. And it's Neville. Yeah. Yeah. With the magical mirror, which is kind of fun, because you both get the magic mirror pun there. Mm -hmm. And there's a paper called the mirror. And Snape sitting by his side. And this would have been Order of the Phoenix. Or Or the end of Goblet of Fire, perhaps. I don't know. Harry is 16. Yeah. Oh, does it say? Oh, yeah. 16 year old. I think it probably would have been Goblet, even though he's 16. Mm -hmm. Because we find later a 20-year-old Neville who has defeated. So maybe things are taking a little bit longer. With Yes, yes. I kind of like how she shows a dark-haired boy in a hospital bed. At first you kind of think, what's Harry doing in there? And I'm like, wait, no, Harry's not there. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to see, like, she's drawing the parallels between him and Neville. I'm not sure if he is dark-haired in canon, but I don't know if we ever actually find out. You know, I read something that called him a blonde the other day, and it was like, what? No, Neville is not blonde. Sorry. <laughs> Honestly, can't remember what, what is Neville's hair color? I don't know if they ever oh. described. They might. I don't know. He's just like a round face boy. I don't know any more yeah. than that. Yeah. Like Charlie Brown, he's got one hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little more round. I think they're <laughs> That's really round. Round. (laughs) Really, really. And again, there's just the great writing. At first she feels guilty, but then she listens to Harry in the living room, a 16-year-old who's struggling to count to 20 with his father's help, and the feeling fades. It could be worse. It could have been Harry, and he wouldn't end up in the hospital. For him, it would have been a coffin. Good luck, Neville Longbottom. Yeah, I like how now she's even preferring Remus as his father. Because they really are a family. And then we jump a year again. Harry's 17. And he has a girlfriend. Girlfriend. Did anybody do a little happy dance? <laughs> yes. Yeah. They do homework together and hold hands. It's just so sweet. And Petunia's not really sure what to do about this whole idea. She's a little uncomfortable with it, but she can't figure out why. Well, she's been his caretaker for his whole life. Mm-hmm. And she's been... <laughs> For lack of a better phrase, she has been the only female in his life, besides right. psychologist. Mm-hmm. And now he has someone else. Yeah. At the end of this chapter, she doesn't know why she's so uncomfortable, and she she feels bad about it because he's happy, and obviously she should be glad for him because he's happy. And at the very beginning of the next chapter, it sort of clarifies what it is that she's worried about. In her mind, he's still a little boy. And he shouldn't have a girlfriend. But then Rima says, no, he's a teenager. So. Yeah. Because she's worried that because his disabilities are in his mind, he thinks like younger child. So yeah. Would he looks he like he's the, 16, but he yeah. doesn't think like he's 16 mm-hmm. or 17. He have the uh, emotional maturity to be able to handle a relationship well and all the things that go with it, I guess. And again, right at the end, she says... I'm scared he'll get hurt when I can't protect him anymore. It's the same as any mother with a child, but it's a little bit, it's just magnified by Harry's situation. Mm -hmm. The next chapter resolves some of this. Yeah. We get to see Harry really is growing up. He's finally getting the tools that he needs, the skills that he needs to really deal with it. He even teaches him a lesson. (laughs) He's got 
people making fun of him, and he says, I'm not stupid, I'm disabled. It's because I had an accident. If you had an accident, I wouldn't laugh at you like this. It's not nice. And the boys that are mocking him, they look stunned and ashamed, and they leave quickly, even apologizing slightly. It's like, well, that told them. I guess you just gotta get through thick heads sometimes. Maybe they can learn their lesson. Yes. You gotta slap in the face. Well, he slapped them in the face. They just sort of see him as a guy sitting there who holds himself oddly and looks weird and is drooling and he must be terribly stupid and make fun of him. And they don't think that it's because something happened to him. That's why he interacts with the world a little bit differently than you do. And if anything had happened to you, the same thing could have mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just bringing it to people's attention. Yeah, anything can happen to anybody, and especially teenagers, because they think they're invincible, and they don't realize accidents can still happen. You're just one little flame, and you can go out just like that. You just gave them a nice big reality check. But it's a good moment for them, because because of him doing that on his own, Petunia didn't have to rush to his aid or anything. She starts to think maybe he can handle things on his own. She doesn't have to worry so much about protecting him. Well, this next chapter, (laughs) Dudley is leaving. But it's a very interesting topic that he's going to be leaving to go study. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's going to go study psychology. How terribly different this Dudley is from Canon Dudley. Oh, yes, so much. If you tried to tell me that Big D was going off to study psychology. (laughs) (laughs) Not so much. But this Dudley, it just, it makes perfect sense. Because he's seen how being with a psychologist has helped Harry. And helped the family, too. you got to love the little magic touch in here. Remus is going to apparate him home every second weekend so that he can spend time with Harry because he can't imagine leaving Harry behind. Yeah. 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 Uh, moment. Yeah, that got me tearied up, too. Yeah. And the whole thing is set in Harry's bedroom because Dudley's come back to sleep in the same bed again as a sort of nostalgia thing. Yeah. Because Harry's stopped generally sleeping in Dudley's bed two years ago, it says. So this last one was from Dudley's point of view because Dudley is leaving. And this next one is from Harry's point of view and he doesn't want Dudley to leave. No. It won't be the same. They haven't been apart for more than three weeks. Dudley must have been went to summer camp. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Or Harry went to summer camp. One of them. He wants to be a doctor just like Dr. Rayborn. He can't help crying the day that they have to part, but from now on, whenever people ask him about his family, he proudly tells them about Dudley becoming a psychologist. He's very proud of his big brother. Okay, I'm getting getting teary-eyed now. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, we've come to the last travel. And we're back again, full circle, to... Ray, is she awake? <laughs> yes, I'm awake. <laughs> do you want to do the last one? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, now we have Petunia's point of view again, like we said. And she's crying with the, the magical mirror paper laying on the table. Remus is comforting her. She's got the guilty feelings a bit because it's got Neville looking pale and old despite being only 20. He's sitting in a wheelchair with Severus Snape holding on to the the handles of the wheelchair so tightly. And she's feeling relieved because Harry is alive, Neville is too, and Voldemort isn't. And that's what really matters. Finally, after ten years of hiding, they don't have to be afraid anymore. It's just exciting. They could come out. (laughs) Do you think they would come out, or do you think they would just, just stay there? 
I think they'd keep hiding. This is a very interesting Drabble fic. Every chapter being exactly 100 words and how they managed to get so much communicated yeah, in so little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very yeah, well done. This is my first Drabble fic I've ever read, and this was really, yeah. really nice. Well, does anybody have any other thoughts about this fic before we... Uh... I mentioned earlier the difference between Canon Dudley and this Dudley, and Dudley going off to be a psychologist. How many people would have ever pictured Neville in a wheelchair with Severus Snape holding the... Never. 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 No. <laughs> Even Petunia being, like, a real loving human mother. Yeah. It just mm. blows my yeah. mind. I mean, being a real person instead of yes. a... And she had little bits where it almost looked like she could be, but they never developed. So this was really good for that, taking the the potential. And this entire thing is wildly off from canon, and yet it all seems so realistic and plausible. There isn't really anything that kicks you out and say that couldn't possibly ever happen. It's it's really well Well, done. Well, it's because it's all muggle. Except for uh, the getting around, the apparating, moving everybody to Canada, and, and mm-hmm. obviously Grievous becoming a werewolf, <laughs> but everything else is very muggle. Right. Yeah. It was a very good fic, and I enjoyed it a lot. Very well-written impact on every single chapter. I'm glad you guys pulled me in on it. I'd never have come across it, probably, otherwise. Yeah, I would I never read it. Until <laughs> so I was listening to the podcast. <laughs> I, I believe it was Last Haven who recommended it on the member's pick on Pufa, so... And we kind of jumped on it. <laughs> we kind of took it, yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. shout out to the last table. Yay, yeah. Baby Claw! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Kelly. The lonely blue. My buffs and single... One green! <laughs> <laughs> I hope you all have a good evening. Uh, thanks for listening to our babblings. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Hopefully we all sound really intelligent. You never know. We might sound alien, too. Yeah, there you go. This is Peoncast and Next Generation signing off. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Bye. You had to do a Star Trek, didn't you? Oh, it's the theme. Sorry. We didn't let you in on that. Whoever edits that, Scott, you had to do a Star Trek, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> what? Never. Music <laughs> <laughs> and the snort. I made it through the whole damn thing without snorting until the end. <laughs>